No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Uh, And that might apply, I think, here to the year in review special. Uh, This is actually our 14th year in review, which is scary uh, that we've done this now for 14 years. Yeah. Um, And I'll go so far as to say I think it's probably the best year in review show out there because we cover just about everything under the sun. Uh, Paranormal-wise, not just UFOs or Bigfoot or whatever. So I think we're the best uh, year-in-review show uh, around, and so uh, we're going to do another one, put another one into the into the record books, if you will. Uh, as always, of course, my co-pilot on this historic look back is uh, the host of Radio Mysterioso and my good buddy, Greg Bishop. What's up, pal? Hey, I'm just finishing off. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, I'll talk while you take care of that. Uh, well, I guess it's you know the end of the year, 2021 is history. Um, if I were to, uh, well, I hope obviously, yeah, I hope everybody listening had a very merry Christmas um, and a festive Boxing Day. If you're into that, and. Um, and uh, thank you to everybody who joined us for the big Christmas party last week. Uh, I don't know. There's no way we can top the madness of that evening, but uh, we're going to try and at least uh, have some thoughtful stuff to say. Um, 2021, uh, well, when we get Greg back here on the line after he's done ringing up his groceries, uh, I'll be interested to hear his take on this. But I was thinking about it today that, uh, you know, I'd go so far as to say 2021, worst year than 2020, I think. Uh, it'll take some time to really assess properly, but maybe by the end of the show we'll we'll have a consensus on that. But, I mean, last year, I guess two years now almost, but 2020, there was, like, this novelty of, like, holy shit, we're living in this dystopian nightmare scenario of a pandemic. Um, and so there was, the, there was this, like, absurdity... Um, Sort of like just disorienting, almost kind of kind of coolness of it. Like holy shit, this is a pandemic. Like I always talked about pandemics. You know, we thought it was all bullshit, and apparently they have, they're real and they happen. And now we're living in one, and you can't buy fucking toilet paper, and I can't leave the house. And 
It was like all the novelty of, oh, shit, we're, you know, we're in a, we're in a pandemic. And it's like uh, now 2021 was more just like, okay, the novelty of this pandemic is over. Now it's just like, well, now you just got to live in this shitty wasteland of a, of a world. Now you adopt and adjust and adapt to living in, in this dystopian wasteland. Um, you know, and that was, that kind of felt like what 2021 was. And, uh, I know, especially here as we, it just felt very frustrating as a year. Last year, 2020, it was like, oh, okay. you kind of could be forgiven for feeling like helpless. Everybody was kind of helpless. We were the mercy of this thing. Twenty twenty one, it was like, right. oh, we've turned the corner. We're getting everything straightened out. Um, I mean, shit. I was vaccinated for like most of the year, so the pandemic really. I wasn't never worried, really worried about getting sick. It was just like this thing just fucked up everything, and and people. Uh, it just felt like it, it felt things couldn't get back to normal fast enough. And when it start, when things started to get back, as soon as things started, it seemed like they started to get back to normal. Everything went haywire again, and now it's especially bad, like right now. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're mm-hmm. starting to feel like spring of 2020 all over again. Shit's getting canceled. People don't want to leave the house and shit. And it's like this is ridiculous. So I don't know. I'm in a very down spot here as we close out 2021 because to me it's like most people shit. are. Yeah, it just feels like all the gains we made in the last year, and and so now we're just back to back to people freaking out over this thing. So, I mean, what are your thoughts as we close the book on 2021, Greg? Uh, everybody's paranoid. Everybody's pissed off. Everybody's depressed. Well, not everybody, but as a, as a as a world, I was going to say as a nation, but as a world, everybody's you know the people that aren't worried. I think are people that are kind of ignorant you have to be kind of worried about what's going on and it's uh uh i'll tell you something interesting i have a friend that is a therapist this uh woman friend of mine and she said she's had more business in the last month than in the last year really people seem to be freaking out on moss right now especially in the last two or three weeks obviously Because yeah, it's you very no, weird. Uh, you have no, uh, you have no um, anchor. I mean, it's like, what's your anchor? You you got to have something. Mine is talking to you. You know, um, you know, kind of adjudicating my show, working on the UFO tarot, all those things. Are, you know, and having friends, all these things anchor me. But still, I'm you know, I I feel like you know, I just went to the store, and it's a risk going to the damn store. You know what the positivity rate in, in LA is now? I think it's. I think it's 15%, the testing positivity, which is higher than it's ever been, ever. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. And, yeah, and I'm triple vaccinated and all that, but, you know, you, you still – I have a friend that's triple vaccinated. No, t- double. He had to get the booster yet. And he got it last week. He told me he couldn't come. We were going to go hang out for uh, – have a dinner. And he said, I tested positive. I can't do it. And he's he's quarantined up in his house now. Yeah, yeah. It's, and he uh, works for an ambulance company. He's a, he's careful. Oh boy. Yeah, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, you know, and it's like uh, I don't do know. You know, like I, a year in review. I, exactly. I don't know who to blame for all this. Just uh, 
you know, you want to blame the people who I haven't been vaccinated, point. but it's like I don't even know if that makes a difference with this with this Omicron thing. Like, you know, it would have it would have sprung it makes up a anywhere. Bit of a difference. And, yeah, true. But it, the thing is, I I I tend to think that if most people were vaccinated, that the virus wouldn't have a chance to mutate. The thing is, is it mutates in places where people can't or won't well can't get vaccinated, like you know other parts of the world where people don't act, have access to them, and the virus right. just says, "All right, cool," and it parties, um, and that that just gets spread. I mean, here it's it's you know it it still boggles my mind as to people is getting uh, scared of vaccines. I've read up on it. I've read everything. It's like, well, why would all, <laughs> you're already under the control of whatever. So how is this going to make any difference? Besides, why do you want to kill off? Why do you want to kill off like most of the people that drive the economic engine? That's, that's, you know, well, you know what? A few people told me what it is. It's about control. It's about controlling people. Um, and the they funny thing is control. I read up, yeah, yeah. The funny thing is I read up on the 1918 pandemic a little bit, and there were anti-maskers and anti, you know, there weren't even vaccines then but for that. They didn't know they didn't have them yet. I mean, they had vaccines, but they didn't have one for the for that flu, for whatever, Spanish flu. Anyway, yeah, people were, like, protesting and refusing to go with masks and, you know, and refusing to quarantine and all that stuff, just like now. Um, and that's because people didn't really understand what vaccines did. A friend of mine said, um, did you get your flu vaccine? I said, yeah. And he said, why? I said, do you do it every year? And I said, no, actually, I don't, because I hardly ever get sick. And he said, well, then why did you get the COVID vaccine? I said, because it's different. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, it, it, uh, it's not a regular flu. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, uh, if you get the vaccine, hopefully it, you know, protects you against some of the variants or most of them or maybe even all of them to some extent. But the flu vaccine, it's kind of a hit and miss. They, they just guess at which flu, you know, flu virus is going to be um, predominant that season. And like I said, I hardly ever got sick. And I was like, yeah, you know what, screw it. But now, you know why I got the vaccine this year? Because of my parents. I got to hang out with my 90-year-old parents. And if they get sick, that's it. It'll probably kill them what, from whatever, probably even from flu. So that's why yeah. I got the flu vaccine this year, too. So it's just, you know, it's like you just kind of weigh <laughs> your options. And the, the thing about the COVID is, like, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to make other people sick. And I really don't want to make my parents sick. So exactly. that's, that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just very confusing, too, right now. Like, they're not really, they don't really, uh, they're not doing a very good job of explaining, like, what people who are already triple vaxxed should even, you know. Like, I'm not all that worried about it. I don't want to give it to anybody, but at the same time, it's like, they say I'll be fine if I get it. So, um, you know, I'm not, like, panicking or whatever, but. Yeah, the consensus is it probably helps. And that's fine because everybody's like, why can't they give us a straight? It's like, well, because it's developing as we talk about it. That's why. Right, um, right. Everybody's kind of hit the ground running, and people that are studying this are just kind of like, we, you know, we find out new things every time, and it's a different kind of disease. Um, and, yeah, most people get over it. But, you know, a lot. I just read an article today where it just it stays in all your organs. Like, it'll, it'll be invade your lungs. But it just sits in your liver or your heart or like your something, you know, other organs and areas. Yeah, of your yeah. Body Who knows if it like to crop up again or God knows what. Yeah, it's a yeah. fucking, it's a, 
it's a nasty ass disease, that's for sure. Nobody, you know, yeah. I'd like to get I out of this whole that are thing. Doctors and, yeah. Relatively unscathed. Yeah, that's what they tell me. And I go see my doctor. And I actually sit there for 10 minutes if I go see the doctor and say, well, what do you think? What's happening? What do you think I should do? And they told me what I just told you. And that, that's, you know, if it's coming from a doctor or more than one doctor, I would kind of trust what they say because they're there to cure people, not to, you know, put them under the thumb of a big brother. Yeah, exactly. So they're not pushing anything on me. They don't say, you know, go get this or that. They say get a vaccine. I don't care what it is. And you probably have a lot better chance. So, you know what? Life is a series of um, of uh, best scenarios or best case scenarios that you can do. And uh, and most and most importantly, it's risk and reward. What's the risk of getting a, a vaccine for something? Well, it might have some side effects. What's the risk of not getting a vaccine? Well, you might get sick and give it to other people and possibly die and have a virus that lives in your body for years. Okay, I'll take the risk of getting a vaccine then. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Like yeah, we highly like, encourage yeah, everyone to get, get the vaccine. Sick. That's the, you know, you got to just get yeah. the fucking vaccine. Stop being a baby. Just get it. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You okay. don't have to worry about getting sick and, and uh, you know, but then they get all the, they drop all this new shit on us and people are worried still, um, even though they're like, look, like I said, even though they're like, look, you won't get really sick or go to the hospital or anything. Uh if you're vaccinated, but it's still people don't want to fucking get it. So, and this new one's super spreadable, apparently. So it's just it just sucks. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm just had enough of this shit. I've had enough of everybody uh, has. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I'm not like I'm not like the I'm not like the exception to the rule. I think I speak for everybody when it's just like we're fed up with enough 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 of this shit. It's we're going on. We're about to go, go into our third year dealing with this fucking thing. And it's like enough's enough already, and uh, <laughs> you know it's exhausting when you're when you're part of the people who are playing by the rules, you know, who are following the advice yeah. and everything, and wearing masks and getting vaccinated, and you see other people who are like, no, just eat this fucking horse paste. It's like, will you shut up, dude? Just, just, <laughs> just, just like shut up. It's been like it's been like two years. Like, if the answer was yeah. horse paste, we'd all be eating horse paste, you fuck. Like, that's not the fucking answer. Just wear a mask, please. Oh, God. Yeah. It's, anyway. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, you follow the rules and you're still screwed in a lot of ways. But, you know, you don't follow the rules and everybody's screwed. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, I, so I'm trying to. I don't mind wearing a mask when I'm in the store or the one time I was on a plane. It really doesn't bother me. It's no big deal to me. I mean, it's not like somebody's infringing upon my rights or anything. It's just like, oh, wear a damn mask when I'm in the store. What's what's even on the plane for five hours? I didn't care. It was a little. You gotta wear shoes. It wasn't hard. Yeah, you gotta wear shoes. So, in fact, I take off my shoes on the plane sometimes because it keeps. Oh me God, you're one of those people. Getting. Well, I don't stick my feet up in front of other people. I keep them down on the floor <laughs> right. where my shoes are. You wouldn't even Someone's know. going to foot shame you on the airline. You better be careful. <laughs> I know. Anyway. Nobody's done it yet, but, uh, yeah, I just keep, I keep them hidden. I, hidden. I don't stick them out in the aisle or anything. <laughs> yeah, put them under a blanket. That way no one knows. But <laughs> yeah. All right, well. Put them under my that, bag. There's no it, – it, it, 
like I said kind of earlier, it's like the novelty of all this is really worn off, so there's not even any point in, like, <clears throat> spending any more time talking about this shitty fucking virus. It's a part of our lives. God only knows how much longer it's going to – it could be part of our lives forever. I mean, we hear about the flu all the time every year anyway, so it's it could be like that, you know. It could be like that fucking every year. So maybe that was kind of the shock of it all where, like – you know, this year seemed like it was, all right, well, we're pretty much done with this thing. And now at the end of this year, it's like, well, this thing's not done with us. So who the fuck knows how much longer we're going to deal with it. Um, well, you know, hopefully someday it's you know, just a pain in the ass. Yeah, exactly. Like the flu or, you know, whatever comes around every year. It'll just be here. And hopefully it'll just, it'll stop mutating into things that re- that are, are huge problems. And yeah, it's not like the flu. It's actually killed more people than I think it's it's closing in on heart disease and like the COPD and stuff. As as it's more than accidents and more than cancer and more than the last last year, it, it surpassed all those other things except they think like like I said, like heart disease. Yeah, but what I mean is like it's like the flu in the sense that like every year it's going to be, you know, how they're like, oh, it's a really bad year for the flu. Or there, you know, or, or you don't hear that, but I think it'll be like that. Well, they'll be like, oh, it's a really bad year for COVID, so you know, get your boosters, everyone. So we'll yeah. see. Well, the other we'll thing is, is, COVID's a little bit different. So I think uh, drug companies and doctors and universities are probably going to be looking at a way to get to the point where it can, you know, they get a magic bullet for it. Who knows? They may have one, but there's a huge incentive to do that. So maybe it'll be different than the flu. Yeah, it would be great if we could eradicate it, that's for sure. Um, or, yeah, but, or make you know. it like something that's not a big deal or no, not hardly anybody gets it or that if you do, you can get rid of it pretty, pretty quick or whatever. Yeah, like a pill that you could take that, you know, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, um, yeah. They did just yeah. come out with a pill, so who knows? You know, yeah, we'll yeah. see how long uh, it takes for, for it, yeah. for that to be readily available. For get, yeah, for getting rid of it, like, wiping it out of your body so you don't get the long COVID and all that. Yeah, I know. The long COVID is the other thing that everyone worries about. That's the, yeah, that's the thing that like yeah. you were saying. Like, even if you're boosted and everything, you, know a couple you, people you, with it. you could go and you can get it and you might have it in you and then it might cause problems. So it's mm-hmm. uh, shitty. It's shitty. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Uh all right, so there's no point really in talking much more about the awful COVID. It's just part of our lives. Get vaccinated, wear a mask, you know. Hopefully uh, hopefully we just get through this period now that sucks so bad. Like I, like I said, it hasn't been this bizarre, like this bad since the spring of 2020 where things are getting canceled yeah. and <laughs> seems like everybody's freaking out and wants to get tested and yada, 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 so... You know, I'm I, I'm just done with that. Um, mm-hmm. All right, knows. so we can move on to the world of uh, the paranormal year in review. So I guess 2021, I suppose, well, the biggest thing, I guess, to sort of like bring people up to speed who were, you know, maybe listening to this in the future or whatever, was uh, the <laughs> whole uh, – the whole sort of story that started four years ago with the New York Times piece and all that, it kind of it kept evolving this past year. Um, I wouldn't call it disclosure. I don't know what you'd call it. Government, I, I guess you could call it the UAP era. 
So, because yeah. it's sort of like government interest in UFOs, which they call UAPs. So we'll, we'll kind of just call it the UAP era. Um, that continued this year. Um, the whole first half of the year was all about this big report that was going to come out in June um, from uh, the Pentagon, and uh, everyone was all jazzed about that. And uh, so over the then you know over the course of the year, former. Uh, DNI, John Ratcliffe, he suggested it was going to have revelations and um, more more uh, not-so-great videos leaked out in the spring, which uh, the Pentagon confirmed were real. Um, they weren't particularly fantastic videos uh, and, and or really that great photos. Typical blobs and blurs and shit. Um, 60 Minutes. Uh, kind of all the interest kind of peaked with the 60 minutes segment um, that was like a pretty big deal. Uh, it was the first time the show had ever actually covered uh, the phenomenon um, in over 50 years on the air. So it was a, that was a pretty significant event, the uh, 60 minutes piece. Um, and it all culminated with this uh, report that was released in like late June by the Pentagon. It was uh, the preliminary assessment of unidentified aerial phenomena, and it essentially said that they couldn't, uh, they could not determine what UAPs are, um, <laughs> and lar- largely seemed to kind of base that on uh, not too great data collection. That was kind of the the takeaway from all that, and um, it was a mixed bag, I would say, because the the media kind of initially, I remember when it first came out that night, like they dropped it on a Friday afternoon, which is never a good sign. And then they, uh, the media first was like, Pentagon issues UFO report, no aliens. And th- that was like the headline of like the New York Times. Then they had to like, then they went back and re, and they edited the headline to be like, government report inconclusive. So they first reported that it that like that that it squashed aliens, and then they went back and were like, no, no, no. It turns out, uh, you know, it doesn't squash anything. So that was kind of it, and um, well, you know, it was kind of a bummer, and the wind kind of went out of the sails of uh, of UFO world, uh, even though it wasn't too surprising the findings. Um, but the silver <laughs> lining happens. Something is seen, no one knows what. It's the same story as for, for the last 60 or 70 years. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, like, I think the well, the surprise of the whole thing uh, was that, I guess you could say back in the day, it would be that would be it. Like that would be the end of the story. And then they'd be like, well, we looked, we couldn't figure it out, you know. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it or whatever, which they kind of said, and it was like, all right, well, that's it. Then then, as the year went on, there was like all this sort of backroom dealing and shit, and essentially here we are at the end of 2021. Now they've created two new uh, UFO, like government UFO study groups, let's call them. Um, there's the, uh, what is the name? The Pentagon announced the creation of the, uh, Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group, the AOIMSG, as if the UFO community. 
Yeah. As if we needed more acronyms. Now we've got the AOIMSG, which is, sounds delicious. Um, <laughs> and, and their objective, the, uh, it says here, will analytical be... Analytical overlay. Yeah. <laughs> synchronize efforts across the department and the broader U.S. government to detect, identify, and attribute objects of interest in special use airspace and to assess and mitigate any associated threats to safety of flight and national security. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was the first thing. So that happened in late November. And then all along, this is complicated. This is why I really get my UFO. It just got out in a way. today, actually, or yesterday. What's that? That that bill or that that addition to the defense budget um, authored by what was it Gillibrand or Gill, something like that the the senator from New York or congressperson from New York and no senator and uh, Rubio and one other person I guess it's like hyphenated all three of them that just passed through the budget and Biden signed it of course it's a defense budget so it just passed but they worked really hard to get all this UFO stuff or UAP stuff added into it, and as far as I understand, it's one, it creates what you just said, a couple of departments no, no, no. to look that at was, it. No, that was uh, – No? What I'm talking about is that's the Pentagon UFO desk. So there's two oh, groups. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This is different. Yeah, this, there was the yeah. Pentagon thing. I was about to get to this the, one. Uh, the one. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. Uh, yeah, that was the, – the one I'm talking about is the – so let's go over this again. AOI – MSG. That's the that's the Pentagon group. Then now this is the complicated part. So as Greg was saying, as part of the National Defense Authorization Act, which is like the budget for the military essentially. Uh yeah, Senator Gillibrand in addition to a few other uh, bipartisan effort, um they added in this the creation of a second group uh which is t- called the <laughs> Anomaly Surveillance and Resolution Office, which is a little bit easier to digest, the A-S-R-O. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's really fucking complicated. I encourage people to go look this up um, in the actual thing because it's like two whole pages of, like, bureaucratic gobbledygook. Um that yeah, the defense is, budget is 247 pages. Yeah. So this is just a little tiny piece of it. Um, but essentially, I'm trying to go through, like, all the shit that it's going to do. It's a very ambitious, <laughs> ambitious um, thing. It's like it says, the duties of the unidentified area for our task force as it affected the day, day before the date of the enactment of this act. Like, what the fuck? Come on. Um, so essentially they're going to study UFOs and uh, share data, evaluate the threat, coordinate with other offices. Um, I believe they're going to be required to issue a report over the next uh, – once a year, over the next, uh, over the next like, five years. Um, and they also want to – they also establish an advisory committee with uh, – that's going to consist of – of some civilian organizations, yeah, the, a- oh, the Aerial yeah. and Transmedium Phenomena Advisory Committee has also be a part of this thing that's formed, and it's going to have 
20 members, which is the interesting part that pe- people are in UFO world are interested in, 20 members, including people from uh, NASA, uh, FAA, National Academy of Sciences, two people from the National Academy of Engineering, uh, someone from the... Some unfortunate individual from the National Academy of Medicine. Um, three people appointed by the Galileo Project at Harvard University, which is Avi Loeb's alien hunting yeah. group that was formed earlier this year. Um, two people uh, from uh, Scientific Coalition for Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Studies, so SCUAPS. SCU, yeah. Yeah, Rich Hoffman's thing. Which is a pretty significant UFO group. No one from no 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 bump from MUFON. No uh, no one no one represented by MUFON in there. Um and a bunch what of a surprise. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know what I don't know what the fuck this is. One person appointed by the president of the American Society for Photogrammetry and Remote Sensing, which sounds kinda woo woo to me, but I don't know what that group is so no, no, they, they they mean uh, something uh, things like radar and and infrared. Oh, okay, and so that. not like remote viewing. No, 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 no. This is okay, technological right. remote sensing, not psychic remote all right. sensing. All right, so you can't tell with this thing because it's all gobbledygook. So that's. I mean, I just gave people a really butchered version of it. I I had thought about maybe reading some of the more of this to people, but it's like this is some. This is like wading through a fucking swamp of this. You know, that's why they say drain the swamp, I guess. But yeah, it's it's bad. So essentially, they they want to establish a, 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 another UFO desk. They are establishing another UFO desk in the Pentagon. Or whatever, and um, and it's also going to have this wacky advisory committee of twenty people, um, sub, which may include some names uh, that we'll recognize down the line. So, um, this all, as Greg said, this all passed like earlier in the month. I think it was just like he said. I think it was just signed like this week or last week or something. So. Uh, I don't know. I guess it says within 180 days this has to start happening. So I guess we'll just see. It's weird. I mean, that's the, this is the. It, I have mixed feelings about this. Now that I've sort of recapped the news of it all for people, I guess I can opinionate now. Greg's sort of transitioning from his car to his apartment, so we'll. Well, I'll I'll ramble a little no, bit I'm longer. Here. And all right, I'm, um, I'm still in the car. I'm listening. All right, all right. Um, so I mean. I, I have mixed emotions. I feel, uh, in one sense, it's kind of it's cool. I mean, I can't. I I mean, for all the, for all the bagging on people that want the government to come out and say it's aliens, that I do, um, you know, the fact that the government wants to keep looking at this, how can I can't really turn my nose up at that? So, you know, go go government. You know, in a way, it kind of takes the. It takes the burden a little bit off the civilian investigators, in a sense, where it's like, look, we've spent seventy years trying to figure this out. You, you have a go at it. So we'll see. You know, I don't. But as someone who who advocates for kind of figuring this all out, it's like, ah, I liked our chances better as civilian investigators because at least we wouldn't, you know, shit wouldn't stay top secret or whatever. But so that's that's kind of a mixed bag. You never really know what you're getting the right. You're almost certainly not getting. <laughs> getting the full scoop from the government if you're relying on the government to give you information and shit. 
So it's uh, it's a mixed bag. But I mean, I can't I can't sit here and go, oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. Nothing's like it's that way. They they they're forming these these groups to look at UFOs. Um, you know, the other part of it is. We don't even – it says they have to issue reports like once a year, but it's like we may never know what else they're – like what they're doing. Like I they, think they could have just to operate... a private report and a, and a public report, but the public report I'm sure is not going to say anything of any consequence. And, you know, the whole thing from the beginning to me, and I think we've talked about this, has to do with um, – has to do with uh, gathering information that may be useful to for defense or yeah. you know uh, or or intelligence or something like that or you know God help us uh, something technological that can be exploited or at least exploited in a way where you know enemies think we know what, what's going on even though we don't. There's all kinds of different reasons to to do this and and probably very little of it has to do with finding out or revealing what UFOs are to the public. It's just like, okay, we really do need to worry about this. Somebody's convinced them, some people in the government and the legislators, that this is important enough to deal with. And the funny thing is when I was reading the, the story about the, the senators who put, you know, this, uh, this, who put the riders in the budget, I got the feeling that maybe some of them had had some sort of experience and they're just kind of in, 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 you know, interested because of, from that angle. Maybe they don't want to say see that. anything from a sighting to who knows what. You know what I mean? I'm sure yeah. Whitley Strieber would have something to say about it. But it's just it, – it seemed to me that they're – you know, that civilian legislator people are way too interested in pushing this to just be excited about UFOs. They may have a personal stake in it in some way. But, you know, like, you know, all uh, hopefully all this – it just brings the whole field up so that more, more – uh, people and resources are brought to bear on it from whatever angle. Um, and the way I think the government and the military work, they're only going to be able to see it from a certain angle and from, from a certain perspective. And that's maybe that's better for us. I mean, they're not, they're not going to look at it. I don't think from a, from a, um, they're going to look at it from a scientific perspective and not a humanities and psychological perspective. And I think those two with this subject are equally important. So we'll see. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'm not as cynical as people might think about it. To be like, like I said earlier, I mean, it's kind of neat, and and we'll see what happens. And I guess the, I mean, it's hard to really gauge what it all means because it just, you know, it's still in the nascent stage. So, I guess I would liken it to, um, I just looked this up to make sure I wasn't totally talking out of my ass, but it was like sort of like. If you if you look at like the '60s and shit, and people were like concerned about the planet and and nukes and all that and pollution and everything else, and then it says here in 19 in December of 1970, Nixon created the Environmental Protection Agency. So it's sort of like maybe this is kind of the UFO equivalent to that. Like people have been saying, "What's this shit in the sky?" for decades, and now finally the government's creating some agency to to I don't know. To look at what's in the sky. Um, but yeah, well, as my you, prediction is yeah. it'll go for five years and then it will just quietly die because it's just it's just one angle of it and they're not going to be able to figure it out that way. They'll find out a lot of stuff, but they're not going to figure it out. I don't think. And there's no, it has, to me, it has nothing to do with disclosing anything at all because there's nothing to disclose. 
I mean, they would disclose that they have a lot of data to me. Not that there's, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe there, there is something here and they know it. But I seriously doubt anybody would ever admit that because they don't know what to do with it. And they don't understand. Yeah, look, um, it seems to be very forward-looking, not necessarily uh, like, oh, we, like, I mean, I, I tried to read the thing as carefully as possible. I might have missed it, but uh, the, I didn't see anything that was like, okay, we needed an assessment of what the hell we've been doing for the last 70 decades that it got to this point, you know? So it's like no one's going to come out and go, hey, we turns out we found out that Roswell thing really happened or whatever. They're like, let's just – this is a fresh start, and I've been advocating for a fresh start for years on the show, so I can't, you know <laughs> – I'd be, it would be hypocritical of me to go, well, it's a bullshit fresh start. It's, look, it's a fresh start. Let's just see what they come up with, you know. The onus of figuring out yeah. UFOs is now no longer on the on the shoulders of, of the Stan Friedmans of the world. It's now on the shoulders of the Department of Defense. So you guys have at it. Figure it out. Come back to me when you've got the aliens. That's kind of my yeah. <laughs> attitude because well, I don't have any interest in the – all of this, all of what we've been talking about is just, it's, as Zach Copley said, maybe this is a conspiracy to make UFOs boring. It's like all so fucking boring that to me it's like, ah, I've lost sight of, of a lot of the, I like the absurd weirdness of the phenomenon, not not the machinations of this government agency and who's going to be a, one of the 20 members of the advisory com- committee from the Galileo Project or whatever. It's, that to me is just... Soap opera nonsense. Yeah, it's uh, like I said. I don't think it has anything to do with um, disclosure or figuring out anything. I think that there's a you, people think of the government as like this monolithic thing where everything works. Like it is the government. And it has this. No, it's made up of all kinds of different departments, people competing different ideas about things, different motivations for them. And I think when they have something like this, they try to cut through some of that with, um, with a, by almost forcing cooperation on them to get an answer. Now, I don't know if that's going to work, <laughs> um, but I think there, you know, people that do this are just as curious about this. People in the government and and military and industry and all that, they're just as curious about it, curious about it as we are. And that they think that, the, that using this method and whatever they have available to them is going to answer the question, you know, more, more efficiently than, you know, everybody thinks their, their method is the one that's going to work. So you've got like, you know, 10, 15, 20 different agencies and entities and all, you know, um, contributing to this. And hopefully they get a little clearer idea of, I think, more of what the problem is rather than what the solution is. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. There'll be a, kind of a clearer, clearer idea of what the questions might be rather than what the answers might be. Um, and I think people, you know, people, you people think people in government are, are dumb or pig-headed or whatever. It's like, no, there's a lot of creative, smart people working in these areas. It's just that I hope that some of that bleeds into actually the policy and the, and the, um, uh, the, the methods that they use to study this. Because if they just keep saying, if we get more data, this is all going to work better, I don't We've already got a buttload of data. Maybe yeah, it's the way yeah, you yeah. look at it. Yeah, and it all depends. Problem, there are problem. good people and talented people and smart and clever people in the government. There's also lazy and cynical and 
skeptical people. You yeah. know, it all look at the Condon thing. It like all depends on who they, you know, who they put in charge of this thing in the first place anyway to see if it how well it develops. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think like this I said, is a lot more, you know, a lot more well-meaning. One would hope. Um, but it's yeah. like just it, it could be well-meaning from the creators of the amendment, but now that it's now that the this was the big debate, I guess you could say, that happened in UFO world when the Pentagon created their uh, we'll call it the MSG group, their MSG group. Yeah. Um, that that was the debate. Oh, the MSG group is going to squash the Gillibrand group. They're going to squeeze them out. Is there going to be that's the that's the Again, this is like, to me, I don't find this, <laughs> this is all fucking Days of Our Lives UAP edition. It's like, is, the, is there going to be a turf war between the Pentagon and the Gillibrand group over UAP secrets and shit? And it's like, the shit's up in the sky, man. It's not in D.C. It's like, the shit's up in the sky. Like, let's get get your ducks in a row and start looking and figure it out. I don't give a fuck who's, you know, I don't really, like, I don't really care <laughs> care who's, Who's necessarily doing the looking, but just start looking and stop arguing about how best to look and shit. So it's to me, and the thing I was saying before is like, yes, they're going to issue semi-annual reports or whatever, but we may, may not know what the fuck they're ever doing. Like, we just, so it's like, okay, they have a government group. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's going to be like Blue Book where, where a Heineck would fucking come barreling out to Michigan to go investigate as the official government guy. It's like, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be like that. Um, it may just be that this thing operates like any other government agency. And it's like I don't know what's fucking going on in the EPA either. So, so like, so who knows? Yeah. Well, then you're dealing with some with a known, known. I guess instead of an unknown, known as to coin a phrase. Um, it's a it's 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 something where they're trying to use known methods to look at an unknown, which is a problem. I mean, you can't. I don't. I mean, I've said this before. You can't look at something that's as non – what's the word? You can't look at something that's as, as non-logical and non-regimented as the UFO subject with logical and regimented methods solely. It, I, don't, I think it goes against the nature of looking at, at the thing. If, you, if you're using it, the tool doesn't work. You know what I mean? It works up yeah. to a point. But I think if, if we're lucky – some people that are working on this, I think some people in the Galileo Project realize this because they even have an arts committee on their, uh, I believe, in their in their group. So, um, you know, I, I think they'll be able to get to a certain point and maybe get a little bit of an understanding. But I don't think much more than most of us have right now. And the stuff that really is moving forward and is looking forward and is to find something out, I don't know if we'll ever find that out. It'll kind of be like the... Uh, that uh, the report that came out in June where everybody went, what, that's it? Yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen. It's kind of like, you know, I think the disclosure will be there's something unknown instead of there's nothing. I mean, that, I think that's what the disclosure is going to be. Yeah, there's something we don't know what it is. And we're working yeah. on it. But it doesn't look like a threat. That's it. And then whatever yeah. goes on beyond that, like, you know, pointers towards different types of physics or propulsion or whatever, that we won't hear about. Because um, uh, I think Elizondo said this once, or somebody I talked to said, um, <laughs> whoever has this technology won't have to answer to anybody. If they have the technology that, that, that uh, uh, mimics what UFOs do, 
you don't have to answer to anybody anymore. That's it. That, that the, the, the world's over. I mean, that the, whoever has that technology, is it will be the de facto um, power in the world. That's it. And I think that's another reason why this, uh, you know, for whatever, you know, well, well-meaning, um, specific, or even misguided reason, that's part of it, too. If somebody discovers this before, it's the same reason the psychic stuff happened in the 70s. If the Russians discover it before us, then we're screwed. And I think that's the idea right now among some people. If we figure out how this, the observed characteristics of UFOs work, we don't have to talk. You know, that, that's it. We're, we we rule. And the scary part is maybe somebody else finds that out. I think that's a huge part of the, the motivation for this, too. I don't think anybody is going to find that out, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I think that's a huge motivating factor because of, you know, because of the way the, the, the politics and the military work. Yeah, for sure. National security and all that, and we can't, you know, if it's like China's or Russia's, we got to make sure we uh, we know it. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. Gonna be framed and it's way. like, it's, you know, it's easy to sort of like, and I do love all the kooks and weirdos of the UFO world, but there were a lot of like, uh, over the last seven decades, there have been a lot of well-meaning, smart, well-intentioned people who did a lot of really good work trying to figure this out. So it's like, clearly this is a really fucking hard thing to figure out. Like, <laughs> like um, you know, because people have put decades of their lives into trying to figure it out, and they haven't figured it out. So to me, that's kind of where the cynicism both comes from and sort of abates a little bit with this thing, where, like I said, where it's like, all right, you know what, you guys, the more people try to figure this out, the better. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of my even though even though I don't really care for the government trying to fucking do anything, um, you know it's like we've kind of run the table here on civilian UFO research. We've we've, we've tried everything we can come up with so that we could use a hand. So you know let let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens. I'm not I'm not like someone who thinks this is all bullshit or or uh or what I'm, just, I'm not also not like super jazzed that like okay now this is the this is what it's going to take for us to figure it out it's like ah no this i don't know if we can figure it out no well you have an excluded middle view like me if something good comes out then great and if not well you know we kind of expected that in the first place but I'm, I'm expecting not very much to come out of it i'm still pushing for and this is why the you know not to push the ufo tarot thing but the thing I'm pushing for, and I have been for a long time, is um, small groups of specialized people that work a problem um, for a small amount of time, or you know, for a year or two, and then they just share what they found, and then they move on to something else. I think that's the best way to solve the UFO thing because that's how UFOs appear. They just appear. Nobody knows where they came from or what's going on, and then they disappear. And uh, unless yeah. you're an abductee, that's going you know, it's going on for years, and that's that's another issue. But I think that organized an organized effort to find something that to figure out something that's disorganized as UFOs are is is only going to get so far. Yeah. And it, it, you know my, my thing with the cards the, the first idea I had was well why don't we just get people to realize their own motivations and work the problem on their own individually or in small groups and see what happens. You know, it's kind of, kind of. I think that's kind of what the government's doing in a lot of these cases, like they did with TTSA and all that. I, 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 maybe not TTSA, but um, trying to outsource the problem. HF, to you're thinking of. See if yeah, yeah, exactly. Until they see if they come up with something that is not, you know, is not regimented in the way that the government would do it. So who knows? I mean, I, I, I think that uh, I think the UFO problem should be outsourced to everybody, and it also. 
should be outsourced to people with 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 brains training and uh, expertise and and uh, uh, resources to do something. I think that's what Galileo is trying to do. Um, and a few other places. I mean, there's universities that have started departments based around this and courses based around this. So this is good. I mean, I, I'm much more excited for that side of it than I am for the government side. But it's all, you know, it's all towards the same goal, hopefully. Yeah, the fresh, the fresh look. I'm, you know, like I said, I, I was, I've been advocating for that for years. So it would be hypocritical of me to be like, ah, even though I'm cynical of it all. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative that society has now taken that fresh look that I was hoping for for years. So, what comes of it, if anything, we'll see. You know, that's where the cynicism comes yeah. in because I've just seen it all a million times. So, um, yeah, you know, well, but it is an have, exciting is time. Yeah, yeah, it is very it is different. different that's than for it's sure. been the entire time we've been doing this. Most of the time, it's been same old, same old. This is not the yeah. same old. Hopefully, it doesn't have the same old uh, results. I don't have a lot of hope for it, but you know, why, 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 why be cynical about everything? We were cynical about everything long enough, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, and I think the listeners, and maybe your listeners, and uh, Steve, uh, Steve Berg was kind of said exactly what I was thinking last week. We were talking about you just, you know, well, well what. I've taken to calling now the UAP era. This just doesn't interest me as much as, like, I'm more interested in weird cases and strange events, not necessarily, like, the machinations of Congress trying to pass a, a, an amendment to the budget bill that's going to establish a desk. And I don't really find the the day-to-day political wonky shit to be all that interesting. So we'll see. It's not. It's for people that are into that. And um... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm 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 just not into that. I don't follow this stuff. I I really I used to follow it very carefully, but the the you know the reward for following all this is nothing for me. It's just kind of like you just gotta keep following. I don't it. care about the <laughs> yeah. I don't care about the minutia because the minutia never really amounts amounts to anything. Um, some you know if you do follow the minutia and you get something out of it and you can report it to us, then great. But I personally don't care about that stuff. I I'm working my part of the the equation, you know, and, I, and other people can work their parts. And if we can talk about it, that's great. If we can make some progress in some way, that's great. Um, but it has to come from so many different disciplines and so many different points of view. And that's not normally how you fix a problem. Usually you, you know, kind of identify what the problem is, you narrow down what it might be, and then you, you know, come to a solution. This, your folks don't work that way. Now, and, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, people I think realize that it'd be a little bit better. But, yeah, well, there's a whole contention of people who just say it's aliens, and that's all they, you know, they're they're living out this narrative that like it's a pretty cut and dry. The aliens are coming here, and the government knows, and the government's fighting to keep from telling us that. So it's like if you want to live in that world, that I can't, I can't, I can't pull you out of it, um, you know, but. Right. I I have I feel like it's got to be more complicated than that. But uh, speaking of wacky and weird, the other the other I don't know how how big I would chart this on my top UFO stories, but it, as a fan of wacky and weird, there was the case of uh, Angeli and her alien uh, cave expedition. Are you familiar with uh, oh Angeli and the yeah, yeah. alien cave? Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, so for yeah. the people who don't know, uh, my understanding, so for people who don't know, so we'll look back at 2021. So like around the summer, this lady came out. She said she used to be with the Department of Defense, I think. Um, and she held a press conference at uh, – her, her name is Angelie. Uh, I don't recall her last name. She's kind of like Madonna-esque. She, if you'll just call her go, call her Angelie. Um, I want to say it's yeah. Angelie Gaia or something like that. I think she has a, a affectatious last name. Yeah, so she held a very uh, sort of like – amusing, I guess you could say, uh, press conference on, like, the steps of the Lincoln Monument, and she said that she uh, was visiting a friend who knew was in the know, and he brought her into a cave where she met aliens in the Mojave Desert, and um, and she was putting together an expedition that was going to the cave by the end of the year. Mark her words, she said, and yeah. she swore up and down, this was going to happen by the end of the year. It wasn't a big tease. And uh, on this team, there was a former astronaut, um, all these uh, high-level scientists, without naming any names. So, um, of course, as it got closer, uh, my favorite moment, which is when <laughs> I went from observer to shit poster, when uh, Angelie <laughs> put together a Twitter tournament of people uh, of candidates to be on her special alien cave expedition team. She had a list of 100 candidates, and she made them like like some kind of dystopian fucking reality show. She had them face off in Twitter polls. And, uh, and among the 100 candidates was our good friend, the late, great Stanton Friedman. So uh, I found that to be really egregious and ridiculous because it's like, dude, the guy died like three years ago. So it's not even like, like how how <laughs> – how your fucking aliens didn't tell you that? that. Yeah, so I got pretty uh, irritated <laughs> by that, and um, and then and then like a few weeks later, it, people were trying to find the long story short. People were trying to find the identity of this guy who purportedly owns the cave where the aliens live, and they did eventually, I think, find him. He wrote. Her, he kind of dismissed her. Um. And 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 was like, this is crazy. Don't contact me again or whatever. And then like, right, then right after that, she's like, Wayne has pulled out of the project. You know, we can't go to the cave. So as of now, and now she's <laughs> kind of turned into this new age guru, talking about how it's like, oh, the you never, you know, the cave, the cave is a metaphor and it's, it's transcendental and wow. it's fucking vibrational and. What? All this other shit yeah. where it's like, okay, lady. Typical. See, you, you you went from making a crazy-ass promise that you were going to go to the cave and show us the aliens, which I'm in favor of showing us the aliens, and now it's just like, <laughs> I don't know, that was all an allegory or some shit. So it's like, that's the that's the story of Angelie in, in 2021, a classic classic uh, case of of UFO fuckery. That's how it's been. You know what it reminded me of when you tell me this is that Otis T. Carr thing from the 50s. Remember he said he was going to, I can't remember what year it was, but he went on Long John and he said, I have a UFO and we're going to go to the moon. And it's like, if you want to go on the trip with us, it's $20,000 or something like that. It was like Jeff Bezos yeah. except with like flying saucers. Anyway, um, 
so they showed up for this big thing in Oklahoma City, and they said they were gonna everybody was gonna get on the ship and they they would take off to the moon and they would they would prove and he had you know plans and investors and everything. They get there and then um, nothing happens. Nobody shows up and it just it just it just fizzled out. But everybody showed up. Everybody was into it. And it seems like anytime somebody says this is it, it's never it. And so when that yeah. kind of stuff, you know, I think you and I and everybody we know are justified being cynical about it. It's just yeah, kind of like, sure. well, here we go again. And it's at some certain point, unless you either have to get mad or you have to think it's really amusing, which I think it is. I don't yeah, ever take it really that funny. seriously. I take what I do seriously and, you know, reasonably. But that kind of stuff to me is just entertainment. And I, I, I treat it as entertainment. It doesn't really make me mad. I just think it's funny. I think you feel exactly the same way. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't get I, – I was here, I was mad when she put Freeman on the thing because it was just disrespectful. But it was like – that was more like uh, uh, anger out of her uh, – ignorance but other than that her story and everything her antics i found hilarious so it was you know to me uh i made a, a point on twitter like as this was all unfolding that it was just like and i think anyone who's been around long enough can kind of see the red flags where it's like look if i had if i had a cave where aliens lived like instead of holding a press conference and saying i have a cave i have an alien cave I, and I'm gonna show. I'm gonna go and show you all the aliens. I would just go and, <laughs> and document the aliens, then hold the press conference, then hold the press conference yeah. and go. I have aliens. There was no need for. There was no. I don't even think she was looking for investors. I don't know why she even held the press conference in the first place. But it was like, if you have an alien cave, just go and get the fucking aliens. I don't need. To, I don't need. I don't need to know how the sausage is being made. Just. Goes back to the banal America monster. Just show me the fucking aliens. I don't care. I don't care. Like, what are you doing? So as soon as it was like, I have a cave and all this is going to happen, it's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. And no, it's not. And it didn't. And it didn't. And it's not going to. No. And it never will. And that's, you know, that's why as soon as she said that, I was just like, okay, yeah. As Bill Hicks says, what's this guy selling? It's like, okay, what's the gas this time? <laughs> and then you, you know, if you treat it like that, if you treat it that like that kind of a that that circus, then you can enjoy it instead of being frustrated and pissed off. And why are they doing this now? It's like, oh, come on, man! The, it, it's just a fun show. I think I think yeah. uh, Golius is like this about a lot of this stuff. It's I'm not going to get cynical. I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, this and was fine. If I mean, anything, I, this was I, like I, that's the only way you can survive. It was in this in this instance, it was definitely uh, a nice antidote to the very self serious UAP stuff that we're seeing. Where it's like this is serious business. Mm-hmm. The government's getting involved, people. This is serious business. And then it's like this lady kind of <laughs> comes along and is like, "I have an alien cave." And I was like, yes, thank you, <laughs> fuck, yes, yes, give me Alien Cave we're, Lady. We're back, to, we're back to normal. Yeah, exactly. We're back to what ufology is, Alien Cave Lady. You guys go work on your amendment to the budget and the bill and the resolution and all that shit. I want to see what Alien Cave Lady has to say. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> she's, she's got quite the story. Oh, man. All right. You there still? 
Yes, I am still here. Can you hear me? Oh. Yeah, yeah. It got a little weird there for a minute, but um, okay. Yeah, there's some beeping in the background, but that stopped. The the the, the UFO has left. Where? <laughs> um, I think that's. I mean, we can go on and on about UFOs, but that that that's the first hour of the show. So I think we'll we'll make a clean cut at the UFO, at UFO world. So. Um, okay. I can't believe we've gone for an hour already. That was fast. Uh, um, all right, so yeah, like we'll move on. to ten minutes, minus the COVID. I know. I know. We did. We well, yeah. We spent like the first fifteen talking about fucking shitty COVID. Um, so <laughs> twenty twenty one. What other shit happened? So uh, going down the list, I put the the biggest thing that I thought was interesting in Bigfoot world was this Bigfoot bounty in Oklahoma. Uh, where a local House of Reps, uh, House of Representatives guy, uh, he suggested oh, that's that the right. state... he was on coast, too. Yeah, he was. Uh, he suggested... This all yeah, kind of went down, him. like, in January. He suggested that they do a, a Bigfoot bounty for, like, 250000 and the, and that the state, like, I don't know, the, the, the Game and Wildlife Commission should run it. So that kind of went, ran up against all kinds of legalities and shit, and they were like, yeah, we don't want any <laughs> anything to do with this dude. Um, uh, but somehow he figured out that, like, the tourism department could offer Bigfoot tracking licenses. With the, He's actually found That's right. figured out a way to get Yeah, because the whole idea is to make money, cause, uh, and he got other investors to, like, buy into this. So now uh, – while not officially launched yet, it looks like it probably will in the next, like, sometime maybe this year, the Bigfoot bounty went from 250000 to uh, $3 So if you capture a Bigfoot in Oklahoma, you get wow. $3 million is the deal. Yeah. Which uh, is an interesting... Nobody will ever catch thing. any Bigfoot, so... That's what I would assume, yeah. It's like a... Yeah. It's like and a you can't kill the Bigfoot, so... What's that? That's like a pyramid scheme almost. It's it's definitely uh yeah, it's a sh- it's it's a marketing scheme for sure. Like uh a publicity scheme. I mean it's legal I suppose if yeah. uh you know, as long yeah. as they pay it out if someone actually captures a Bigfoot, so um you know. It it was interesting. It's just a sort of weird Weird, uh, that was like the biggest Bigfoot event of the year. There's a few good Bigfoot videos, um, but that was like the biggest news. There's always a Bigfoot. few of those. Yeah. That was the... Yeah, there wasn't any other, was the, like, really revelations. There's been videos here and there, and it's always something else. Wasn't there a recreation or a, not a recreation, but a, a new, like, digital uh, examination of the Patterson film showing that it actually was something that was moving naturally with like muscles under it and all that. I heard recently, yeah, but it was through some TV show, so I'm always skeptical of that. Um, right. <coughs> no, I'm, you know what? I'm all for the Patterson film. I think it's wonderful. I think it shows something. I don't. I'm. I'm pretty sure it isn't a. Whole I'm a believer in the Patterson film. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it shows a you know, a living creature as we know a living creature, but it does show one as we would see one that would show up on film, you know? Um, Yeah. Because I'm still not convinced that it's an actual biological entity. I was talking to David, and I think I mentioned this before, I was talking to David uh, 
Weatherly one time, and I said, I just, we were sitting there, I said, hey, Dave, in the middle of an interview, I said, Bigfoot, um, uh, paranormal or, or, you know, biological? And he said, why about, how about both? And that made sense to me. I said, I said, but what do you mean by that? And he said, well, what if whatever it is can just, you know, walk out of our existence like we would walk through a door? I want to go that way. And that's just the way it is. And to me, that was fascinating. You know, what, what if it is something that is uh, biological but also paranormal or able to move in those, you know, move, move, move through dimensions or um, spectrums or whatever you want to call it at will and intelligence. So to, to me, yeah. that's, uh, that's the most exciting um, Bigfoot. Uh, and I'm not a Bigfoot researcher, so I don't know all uh, the latest stuff on, you know, Bigfoot uh, theories. But that, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. That kind of reconciles the uh, two camps. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was kick, I've kicked that around for a long time. Yeah, I thought because they always find Bigfoot scat. I was I used to joke that like it, Bigfoot just comes from the other dimension to shit here. Yeah, like our dimension <laughs> is Bigfoot's fucking bathroom. So like Bigfoot's like living yeah. in some Eden-esque wilderness yeah. environment yeah, in another there. dimension, and then he's like, oh, I gotta go take a dump, and then he just can conjure up a doorway to fucking Earth, and he. <laughs> Takes a crap. Some car drives by and sees him. He's, you imagine you, you can't do this anymore because 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 of the fucking laws. But you used to be able to like pull over to the side of the road and take a pee if you had to in an emergency. So imagining like like Bigfoot in that situation where a car drives by and he's like, oh shit, people just saw me taking a poop in the in this field. I better run. And they're like, oh my god, I had a Bigfoot sighting, and then he vanished. And he's like, I gotta go the fucking back to my. My Bigfoot dimension. This is crazy. <laughs> so yeah, for sure, Bigfoot, Bigfoot interdimensional. Bigfoot uh, exactly, entirely possible. Um, we did see that giant that was Bigfoot for, poop at the Bigfoot Museum in Georgia. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, it's like three. I don't feet really long. follow. I follow ghost stories, but I don't really follow like uh, ghost stuff happening in ghost. The ghost community is different than, like, uh, UFO and Bigfoot because it's, like, I'm not, not necessarily seeing a lot of people try to uh, – they're not, like, pushing for disclosure of ghosts or something like that or proving the no. – you know, people want to prove ghosts are real. But you know what I'm saying. It's a different kind of thing. Well, the ghost – a ghost is not a – it does not appear technological, so it doesn't fall in that category. You know, UFOs look like machines. So people are going to treat them as machines. Ghosts are neither living, you know, they're not biological entities, they're not machines or anything like that. So, they, yeah, you have to, they, they, don't, they don't attract that kind of crowd and they don't attract that kind of um, scrutiny because they can't. They're, they're in their own yeah. category. But there's overlap, yeah. too. I mean, there's the whole thing about death in UFOs, and the whole thing about uh uh, you know, interdimensionality of ghosts and Bigfoot and UFOs. So there's, you know, there's areas of uh, of understanding where these paranormal things kind of cross over. We, and, and that's brought up over and over and over again. But, um, yeah, the, the, the ghost hunting community is probably, it's still, you know, there's still, I think, a big divide between the ghost hunters and the UFO people and, and the cryptozoological people, and they all... Most of them think the other two groups are insane and crazy and, and a bunch of kids and all that stuff. So. Yeah. I kind of yeah. hope that never changes. <laughs> well, as long as there are people like me and 
you and well, you're not necessarily jumping into the different pieces. There's other people who kind of like Kenny, who kind of have fingers in all the different pies, Red Fern and shit. So I mean, there'll always be crossover, but yeah, trying to get them yeah. all to, you know, that pretty people are pretty tribal uh, with, with this stuff. Um, if yeah, I was well, going to mention one are. ghost story that I thought was pretty good was the because more so just the nature of it was. Uh, this mayor in Colombia, uh, Jose Manuel Rios Morales, he presides over the community of uh, Armenia, which is in Colombia, which is confusing in and of itself. Uh, he, he went on <laughs> Facebook and he posted this video of uh, a worker at a government building being attacked by a ghost, he claimed. Um, yeah, lo ataco un fantasma. This is the mayor of this town, and then he, so he he posted the video of this looked like a like a worker being violently thrown into a wall by an unseen force, and then the man falls down and crawls away, and he's like all scared and shit. Uh, and then the guy, the mayor, says, "I want to share this video with you today, stressing that as mayor, I have the conviction that faith has unbeatable power, and that they were bringing in all kinds of religious figures to cleanse the cleanse the government building of of ghosts." So that was just kind of weird, like. <laughs> like like they, that that there would be this official government announcement from uh, the mayor of this town. So that was probably my favorite peculiar ghost story of the year. Well, I think in that culture, it's you know we we think oh that's crazy. Like, you know is that a, is that a publicity stunt or what? Like I don't know. Uh, the, I think the culture accepts that that kind of stuff happens, and it's just it, it's just. Uh, it uh, when something spectacular like that happens, you know, I'm, you know, he might be doing it for political gain. Like I protect you from ghosts too. See, um, yeah. So it's uh, I think it's you know apples and oranges. Like I said, we see that. It's like what the hell's wrong with that guy? Um, but probably people in Colombia there, like, well, I'm glad he's you know, I'm glad he's protecting us and the workers from from ghost attacks, <laughs> whatever that might be. Because I think uh, that. Uh, by and large, it's accepted in other cultures a lot more easily than it is here. And that's not a value judgment for me. That's just comparing two different cultures. And I've got this radical idea that, you know, whatever you perceive is probably close to what it is. Um, and it manifests that way in your culture and in your mind and in your, you know, in your DNA and your family and all that. And there's no there's no right and wrong there. Um, yeah, my only uh, addendum to that would be some most of the comments in the uh, to his video were people kind of ripping on him. So it's not necessarily. <laughs> uh, so I don't know necessarily well, that's if. That's an easy uh, thing to do. Yeah, there, I'm sure there are people who you know, believed it or whatever, but fun. there there are plenty yeah. of people that's like fuck you, mayor. Do do better. I don't know. Clean, clean the streets or whatever. I don't know. But <laughs> so who knows? Just kind of weird. There's your there's your disclosure, folks. Ghost ghost disclosure. I bet you didn't see that coming uh, in 2021. But if you live in Colombia, if you live in Armenia, Colombia, the government says ghosts are real. Um. So there wasn't. I like the classic mysteries. Um. So I kind of keep an eye on those over the year. Uh, the biggest story, I guess you could say, nothing outright got solved, uh, 
but the closest was probably Dyatlov Pass. Um, essentially, this this European um, expert on avalanches uh, teamed up with another expert on on geoengineering, and the two of them uh, did like an in-depth examination of the Dyatlov Pass uh, story. Somehow, this ties into the Disney movie Frozen. I think he used their uh, their computer modeling, modeling? yeah, mm-hmm. to uh, oh for to snow test for how this snow yeah works. yeah, and essentially the the two experts said they they produced a computer model which shows exactly how this could have happened where because of the angle at which the the Dialof hikers essentially cut like a little notch into the mountainside to put their tent in. And because they just cut like a wall, they, you know, they were, they were butted up against a wall of snow that was like over their tent. Um, and so essentially the theory is that this disturbed the, their the mountain, mountain snow. Yeah, yeah. And, and, caught, and they were at a certain angle um, on the mountain pointed in a certain direction. And we add it all up. It made it conducive to a shelf avalanche which is like when the t- sort of snow on top just kind of shifts down a little bit. It's not like a it's not like your classic mm-hmm. avalanche. It's like a a slab of snow just shifts 10, 20, 30 feet or whatever down a mountain. It's just a big slab. So the theory is and they've showed it with a computer model that this like got to imagine that like a giant slab of snow just kind of jutted out over their fucking tent and dropped down and crushed them. And then they freaked the fuck out and ran mm-hmm. off. And that's the that's the theory. Um, you know, it seemed like very plausible. It didn't come from a place of like Russian government um, wanting to put out disinformation or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's probably the most scientific examination I've seen. But we'll never really know. We'll never really know unless. The only way we could ever possibly even remotely know is if, like, a hundred years from now when the fucking – there's a one-world government and all this shit is quaint, <laughs> someone digs through the archives of the, – the secret Russian archives, and they're like, oh, here's a giant file on Dyatlov Pass from 200 years ago that, you know, the Russian government never wanted to release that explains exactly what happened, and it was a, you know, a sonic boom from a secret plane that caused a shelf avalanche. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's like we – man yeah. – <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the way distant future we'll be able to figure it out, but in our lifetimes we'll probably never really know. But that's the best, you know, theory that I've seen backed up by actual science and, and demonstrated with computer modeling and shit. Okay, I didn't look at the exact modeling, but it seems to me every time somebody does this, where they say this explains it, they leave out a whole bunch of stuff. They uh, they they to be able to fit into their theory. They leave out all kinds of uh, uh, facts about the about the case, reported facts. I don't know if they yeah. did that, but I got a really strong position where you know, it, I, I saw your your uh, on your list of stuff this thing about the Nazca lines too, and I think that's operative there too. If you want to uh, describe that, where they did some some anthropologists said they figured out what it was. It's like what? From what I read, it didn't really explain a lot, even though they say, we're going to come out with a report that's going to explain everything. 
every time a, there's a thing that says, explains a mystery, most of the time it only explains part of it. The, uh, right, the right. one exception I can think of is the uh, moving rocks in Death Valley. That was actually pretty well solved. And I saw a video of, um, of some of the rocks moving around with like, giant pieces of ice that were being moved around on the, on the uh, suddenly not too dry lake bed and creating all those, uh, those furrows in the, in, the, uh, in the mud. That was figured out pretty conclusively. But something like that lost pass, like the way the people were found and the way they ran out of the tents and the injuries and all that, seems kind of, you know, just an avalanche seems kind of, uh, that seems too simple to me. Not that I don't want it to be solved. I, I love it when stuff's solved. But it seems like when, when people say, I've solved it, just any of these things, D.B. Cooper, anything, it always leaves out a bunch of stuff. Even even the, uh, and I'm jumping ahead here, too, with the, uh, um uh, Zodiac Killer stuff. That comes up every few yeah. years, too. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's we'll never really know for sure on the Outlaw Pass. And I think, from what I can recall, I'm looking at the article now, they they did do a pretty good job of answering just about every unexplained question, even including, like, the injuries. So there's still some aspects of the injuries, like oh, okay. they, people had radio... Like, the Geiger counters went off on a couple of the people. Like, they had somehow had radioactivity. And I was like, okay, that that still is one, like, lingering question that doesn't – I don't – I can't imagine these people could have answered. But it's like – I don't know. I, I've dug pretty deeply into that. A couple – the people that had the radioactivity had, like, previously worked in places where they could have somehow gotten it mm-hmm. and it might have stuck to them. So who knows? But that, as I said, yeah. I guess what made it the most interesting is almost nobody is doing, like, uh, scientists aren't, like, doing, like, modeling and shit on, like, let's say, like, D.B. Cooper or Amelia Earhart or anything like that. So it was a, it was a nice to see someone yeah. trying to trying to tackle that uh, case. Um, yeah, where you could. Yeah, and the you, you mentioned the zodiac really, thing, so that really was the other computer model. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. You can't computer model what? You can't really, you know. There's some things you can't computer model. I don't know if you can computer model Amelia Earhart's flight and what was wrong, what possibly went wrong with her plane, and what's been found and all that stuff. A lot of these don't take into account everything, and sometimes you can't. A lot of times you can't. Um, but like I said, a lot of these attempts to explain unexplainable phenomena leave out a lot of stuff. And some of them occasionally, like I said, with the, with the moving rocks, that pretty much satisfied me. Or when they figure out like uh, what? I'm trying to think of a UFO case that's been figured out. There's been plenty of them. Um, but, uh, you know, if it answers most of the questions uh, and leaves kind of niggling ones that aren't really that important, I, that, it, that'll satisfy me. But uh, a lot of these don't. They just tend to leave out very big swaths of information, either by not discussing them or saying that they're inaccurate or that the witnesses were mistaken or whatever. Go ahead. we got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the Internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? Yeah, well, I don't really, like, necessarily consider any case, like, completely solved, like I said, unless there's some kind of, uh, you know, maybe first-generation, uh, first-hand perspective information that comes to light or something like that. Um, so, but, I mean, this is, like I said, probably one of the best attempts at explaining the case that I've seen. 
um, <laughs> you know, so far. Because uh, uh, people right. were like, oh, no one <laughs> – it's like the there's not a lot of scientific backing for alternative theories like a fucking Yeti killed them all. Like, it, all you have is the, the, <laughs> right, the, exactly. the entire basis for the Yeti theory is like a, a Yeti killed them all. There's Yetis there, maybe. That's, oh, no, cra- <laughs> that's the, the entire... Crazy explanations are, yeah. Crazy explanations are fun, but they're often worse than the skeptical explanations. <laughs> right, right. And that like goes for like the UFO one too. It's like, oh, a, U- is, a UFO was behind this. Okay, how? How did it? Just, does it matter? There's this UFO. It's like, well, at least these people just go, oh, it was an avalanche. They showed you how an avalanche could have happened based exactly on how these people made their tent in on the side of the mountain, you know. So it's like, all right, that that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Um, maybe something else could have set off the avalanche. Beyond what these experts say, that's the only thing that I could right. that might bring back the idea that it was some exotic weapons test or or UFO or whatever. But I don't think I don't think a Yeti would even be able to be fit yeah, back it, into that scenario. An unknown with an unknown, yeah, it, it's all infinite regress with explaining an unknown with an unknown, and we run into that all the time. So the other story you mentioned here, and I have it in scare quotes. Uh, because uh, I don't believe it. It's actually kind of like I'm way more on board with the Dialog Pastor than any than than any other sort of idea. Especially this is the opposite of that, I guess you could say. This is the one I'm super skeptical of. This is the uh, a group of 20 or so cold case investigators uh, came forward and said that they solved the Zodiac mystery. And and not unlike the Nazca Lines mm-hmm. one you're talking about, I, I didn't even include it in the thing, because it was like a, the same idea, where it was like uh, the Nazca people, they said they figured it out, and it's like they didn't really offer any, they're like, we're going to tell you later, it's going to be amazing. And like, from what I can gather, nothing ever came of it. So, um, at least Zodiac people, they put forward a suspect, they put forward some pretty compelling um, you know, information, uh, but they didn't really, I didn't go after reading all the information they put out, I didn't go, okay, case closed, this guy was definitely it. And, and the fucking FBI didn't either, so, or the, or the San Francisco police, or any authorities who were tasked with investigating this case. So, the, these people came out, they declared that they solved the Zodiac case, it got huge headlines, people... I, I guess if you don't follow all this shit like you and I do, it's like people they just read this news and they go, oh, oh, holy shit, they solved the Zodiac case, and they, they just move on. And it's like, no, they really didn't. They just think they did. And as far as we know, this is just this this happens all the fucking time with the Zodiac. Like this happens constantly. There's people yeah, every few you years. Go, you can go on Reddit right now, and there's probably like a dozen people arguing for a dozen different suspects and making very compelling cases for why they think that this person is the Zodiac. So it's like, I, I was more stunned that the, not necessarily stunned, because I see it all the time, but it was more just like stunned that it happened again, that it was like, Zodiac case solved! It's like, no, 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 it wasn't. <laughs> Let's just relax. So, yeah, that's the Zodiac story from 2021. Yeah, somebody said that they'd solve the cipher or something like that this time too, and everybody solves it, but it really doesn't solve the case. It just 
you know, Zodiac wasn't stupid enough to tell everybody who he was in the ciphers because he figured somebody eventually would figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the whole idea that, like, oh, his name is in there, and it's like, I think that was just a red herring to get throw people off to, like, try and solve it, you know, and then then just get confused because to find names where they're, they think these are names. And it's like, well, it says J whatever, and, like, his name was John, so that makes sense. And it's like, you're just fucking, you're finding shit that fills your suspect list. Like, if you follow any of these true crime cases, they... All these things, D.B. Cooper, they all have, like, these theories and shit and these these pet suspects and stuff. And and it never really pans out. So uh, I would I would caution people to get to, you know, not get too excited when you see a story like that. Ah, but one exciting story from 2021 that uh, is worth keeping an eye on for 2022. And I think this one may, this one I think we could maybe say could be, could be you know, one of the big stories next year. So that, that's, uh, they exhumed the Somerton Man. And for people who don't know, the Somerton Man was this man who was found on the beach in Australia um, and was never identified it became like this long-standing. It's like this decades-old mystery in Australia. Yeah, who was the Somerton man? Forty-seven or something. Well, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, the whole thing is like, who was the Somerton man? He had like a scrap of of, of a book and his a page from a book and sewn into his clothes, and there was a lot of like weird little elements to this guy's deal, um, but no one could figure out. Uh, and I think like the ra- the labels were all ripped off his clothes and shit. No, no, no one's been able to figure out who he was. Uh, one one researcher thinks he's come pretty close. So the Australian government has ex- they did they exhumed the Somerton man, and they're gonna try to get DNA from him, and then they're gonna do essentially like a DNA genealogy thing to figure out who he is. So I think that's a case that, and they did that already. There was a sailor uh, – there was a massive battle in Australia between the Australian ship and uh, the, the Japanese ship, and both ships sunk. Some of the Japanese guys got mm-hmm. away. Uh, all of the Australians died. It was like 250 or something like that, um, like uh, the whole crew. And one, then like a month or two later, a, a, a boat from uh, – you know, whatever, a escape boat or whatever – uh, from the ship, like washed up Life with boat. a dead body in it, and he was the unknown sailor. So no one knew who the sailor was. They knew he came from the ship. So for 70 years, no one knew who this guy was. And the Australian government did the did what they want to do with Somerton Man. They did it with the unknown sailor. And this past November, they announced that they had figured out the identity of the unknown sailor, and they were able to tell you know put a name to his to his grave and shit. So it was a major, you know, it's called the biggest maritime mystery in Australian history. So the, if they can do it with that guy, there's a chance, a good chance, I think, that they can do it with the Somerton man. And that's a classic, classic, like mm-hmm. iconic mystery. Right. I hadn't so. heard about that mystery really or known the details of it until you brought them up <clears> to <throat> the show. And I kind of read up on it. And it was kind of, 
kind of fascinating. And that the fact they could, you know, figure it out. Have they figured out what, what all those those shoes, those one-footed shoes washing up on the Oregon coast ever were? Some, I forget, but I think they are close to, I, I think, I think, I think, I want to say they, they figured out that they're from suicide victims. They've managed to DNA test a lot of suicide, people who committed suicide. So I think they managed to DNA test most of them, but I, I don't know. It's a very strange, that's a very strange case. Yeah. And they haven't had one wash up in a couple yeah. of years. Usually they pop up this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, so it's it's kind of died off, and for for who knows what reason, maybe maybe currents changed or something, you know? Yeah. And I, um, I heard, I, I read somewhere, maybe on Coast, that they, that they'd probably, they'd figured out that maybe, like, um, bodies would, like, sink to the bottom in, in maritime disasters or however people died at sea and that, you know, since it was covered by a shoe, it would keep the foot from, from decomposing. And those would wash up. Yeah, and the shoe is like buoyant or something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. The shoe would yeah, I've heard, I've, like, you know, it wasn't attached to the body anymore and the animals would eat it and they wouldn't eat the shoe and or sharks or whatever and it would it would come up to the surface and be washed ashore. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, they've had experts look at it and shit. And there's a reasonable explanation for it, but it's still pretty weird. Um mm-hmm. So what other classic mysteries? So nothing so I'll just gonna give people a quick hit list of stuff from the year. Uh so the Amelia Earhart uh scientists at the Penn State Radiation Science and Engineering Center announced plans to study possible debris. Uh, from the down airliner in order to potentially unlock some hidden clues found in the material. That was like in February or March, and nothing that I know of has come of that. So um, that's another one of those. That was February. So we'll see if anything really uh, comes of that. But, again, another scientific study could be interesting. Um, This past year was the 50th anniversary of the D.B. Cooper skyjacking case, which I didn't think got – well, you know what happened is this, it was the 50th anniversary, and it was actually fell exactly on the day of the same circumstances of the of the events happened in 2021, where it was like uh, D.B. Cooper skyjacking happened on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, which is when the anniversary actually fell uh, in 2021. So the I think that like it just got caught, it just got lost in all the hubbub of Thanksgiving and shit, and so I just didn't see nearly as much on the DB Cooper fiftieth as I thought, um, as I thought we would, which is disappointing. Um, and it was, you mostly it was just a bunch of rehash yeah. of stuff. Yeah, it didn't get picked up for the silly season by all the uh, uh, and all that. Yeah, which this stuff uh, usually there were no, does. I mean, these kind of anniversaries, probably because there were no, yeah, no, no real breakthroughs in it. No, no real breakthroughs. It seemed like last year there was a lot more coverage of it, uh, DB Cooper, last year than there was this year, which was kind of surprising. Um, it's like a big documentary on HBO last November, uh, but nothing this year. It was really weird. Um, and then there was a search for Jimmy Hoffa's remains, uh, spearheaded by the FBI in New Jersey. So that's a Another classic story, but, they, you know, as far as we know, nothing came of it. So, um, you know, unless the FBI comes out next next year and announces something, that's another one of those cases where it's like, oh, your annual uh, D.B. Cooper update, your annual 
Jimmy Hoffa. So the, the, he doesn't pop up as much in the news anymore. So, um, but not really. That's yeah, kind of unsolvable. I think at this point, did he? I think Knapp had the guy on that saw him last. He's had him on a couple of times. If they can get um, DNA, the, I suppose, that, from a dead body, that's the only way, you know. Right, exactly. And then compare it to his kids or whatever. Family or something, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Now, this is a you story that people might have forgotten. In a way, you're never going to find it. That's true. That's the, Yeah, exactly. If he was dumped like in a way that the body is just completely, un, you know, unrec- you know, just a fucking mess, then you It'll may be not be able to get probably. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Now, this story, (coughs) excuse me, folks. Uh, I hope I don't have a touch of the Omicron. uh, So this story happened at the beginning of the year. This is kind of a crazy story. Um, This is like your classic paranormal uh, beginning, you know, uh, epic. Because uh, so this guy down in Australia, he's a Tasmanian tiger researcher. He says that he's got <coughs> the definitive. He's got pictures. He's got definitive pictures um, of the of the Tasmanian tiger. Hypes it up. Hypes it up. Um, this guy who's essentially like the the bellwether expert who examines this stuff, like looks at it and says it's bullshit. And then the guy finally releases the photos, and the guy, and then the, then the expert can kind of give a full detailed analysis and shows that it's that it's bunk. So it was very at the, at, when it was first announced, people genuinely were excited and bought into it, and were like, "Oh wow, this guy might have," because he was so confident. And it was just like, "Wow, this guy, he's going to look like a real asshole if this doesn't turn out to be the Tasmanian tiger." That was kind of the attitude. And then it was like, "Ah, oh, jeez, dude, why'd you go and do that?" So. Which is classic for the paranormal field. Yes, always. There's always yeah. big announcements, and then nothing happens, and the person's never heard from again, or they get quiet. And then in the UFO field, in about three three to five years, they come back with some new thing. They're completely shamed, and then they just pop up again. Uh, Don Schick, yeah. that happened with him. Everybody forgot oh, yeah. about his big thing about being a, a post post office worker when he said he was like working for the government. Well, he was; he was a post office worker, or whatever he said about himself. And it turns out he was a mail, he was a mailman. So, um, short short memory in the UFO community, anyway. I don't know about the Tasmanian tiger community. <laughs> he's still around and kicking. He's still kicking around. I think he, I think he insists that the pictures are real, but. That they show a real Tasmanian tiger, and that the expert's wrong, but everybody who's seen them is like, oh, okay. Um, the in 2021, the uh, American version, you could say, of the Tasmanian tiger, the ivory-billed woodpecker, which uh, has not been seen in decades and has been long sought by researchers, was formally declared extinct by the uh, whatever government agency. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe that is the Environmental Protection Agency. Whoever is in charge of uh, those kinds of uh, declarations, they deter- they put it on the extinction list. So, um, Finally. yeah, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So, uh, the that's kind of sad. Um, I never really followed the Ivory-billed woodpecker. extinct every year. Yeah. Yeah, because people... Yeah, oh, yeah, it was on a list of, like... Two dozen other 
extinct animals, but that was like the main, that was the headliner, I guess you could say. Um, and it's, uh, <coughs> I didn't really follow the Ivory Bill Woodpecker story, like, I haven't followed it that closely, but it very much mirrors the Tasmanian tiger, where it's like, there are experts, and I guess you could say kind of like fringe experts, who still believe that it's somewhere out there, and, uh, They've been trying really hard, and in the last, like, few decades, they've been really pushing to get it. Uh, but apparently whatever they've put together for proof isn't good enough to move it uh, off the extinction list. So who knows? That's, uh, yeah, kind of sad story from 2021. There's stuff and, uh, all the time. It's just we never notice many of them because they don't get the fanfare, just like – you know, most people that are kidnapped, you know, kidnapped or killed, you never hear about them. It's just like once in a while, there's a famous one, like the like the like that girl and her and her boyfriend this year. Yeah, Gabby Petito. Um, That's it. And the only all right, last mystery story because I like to keep updating these on the show every year. So the Amber Room, I think this might have been one that I said to watch last year. So they last year in 2020 they found a sunken Nazi steamer ship off the coast of Poland that they thought might have the amber room and in a rare instance of uh, actually sort of getting to the bottom of it they sent dive teams down to examine the ship and they did not find the uh, they did not find the amber room so you can cross that off the list maybe you should explain what the amber room is it was uh, something stolen from the, from Russia right yeah it was a uh, uh, an ornate gold and amber paneling that was all inside of this palace in Russia. It was like, I don't know if it was yeah, like one of the, one of the wonders of the world, but it was sort of of that ilk. And uh, the Nazis stole it uh, from a palace in St. Petersburg. And then when the war ended, it was just gone. Like with, as, as with so many other uh, treasures, it was missing. And so since then, it's been the subject of a, uh, you know, searches, endless endless searches. And every year is yeah. someone thinks Most they found where it is. Up in, yeah, somebody's attic and, you know, in, in 30 or 40 or 50 years, just like a lot of this stuff does. It just gets sold on the underground art market, and then people just hoard it and keep it, and then when the person dies, the family just kind of like, oh, what's this? And then suddenly it's, I can't think of a – there's a few other things that's happened, happened with a few famous uh, – uh, Impressionist and modern paintings that the Nazis stole, and that they were, and, and classical ones that later turned up in in somebody, you know, somebody's grandma's attic in like in, in Idaho or something. Yeah, um, and I think that's probably what's going to happen with this. It, it's kind of a big thing. It's kind of a, it's not a, it's not a small. It wasn't a big room. I think I think the descriptions of it was like you know it was like the size of a really small bedroom or a bathroom or something, but it had these panels made out of amber. Yeah. I would assume the panels are pretty uh, cumbersome. So, and the other thing is, yeah. it's under the water for like eighty years. What the hell does that do to the amber? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea how they would even. Yeah, the, th- the yeah, theory the, is that it got amber destroyed. A, right. Like that it's in the in the bombing and shit. That just you know the U.S. just probably right, bombed the yeah. shit out of it by accident at some point, but. Yeah. Um, because it could have been in some. It was located. Well, they took it from St. Petersburg, and I don't know where the hell that no one knows where it went. So, 
could have okay, been in I some. See. So it was probably stored you know, somewhere, and it might have been bombed to hell. Exactly, could have been stored somewhere in Ger- in Berlin, and then <coughs> the whole city was like fucking wiped out. So it's like they could have just bombed. Yeah. You know, they think that happened with a lot of stuff, but who knows? Um, okay, that's sort of the updates on the big stories and the classic mysteries of the year. The only other thing was. Um, I guess I uh, have private space stuff. I guess you could say this was like the breakthrough year for, for space uh, tourism. And you really kind of saw it take a take a big leap forward, no pun intended, with uh, these, I think they Richard Branson and uh, who's the fucking guy that owns the Amazon? Jeff Bezos. Bezos. They went up into space to show uh, proof of concept, I guess you could say. I guess I'll give them credit. Elon Musk hasn't gone up into space, so I'll give – I, I, I give Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson credit that they're like, all right, we we want you to pay a shitload well, of money to go up in space. space yeah, he's not pushing That's space tourism. He's pushing Mars. Yeah, so I guess he really wouldn't go up. Um, That's that, true. It, and it's weird, you know, that that when uh, Shatner came back and they had they were interviewing him and they just wouldn't let him talk, which is really annoying. Um, you finally have somebody that uh, artist basically, you know, an actor, and somebody that really can describe feelings. He's really describing what he felt like in space, and he kept getting interrupted, and people kept screaming in the background and champagne and all this. And the first thing I thought was, one, that's rude, and two, how come Bezos, 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 Bezos and uh, Branson, when they go up into space, there's this thing, I think it's called a... Oh, there's a name for it, but astronauts get it, where they suddenly realize that the Earth is like this tiny thing, that it's very fragile, and that people, you know, people are ruining it, and we should stop fighting, and all this. It's a kind of a, um, a peak experience like a moment. Detachment, obviously, Shatner. Like yeah, yeah, obviously Shatner had it, but these uh, the, these guys, you know, the, the people that put up the money for it, they they if they have that uh, experience, I don't know if they're going to do anything about it. Um, you can say what you want about uh, 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 Bill Gates, but he's given a huge amount of his money to charities, and he never even went into space. So hopefully these people will be a little bit more cognizant of uh, other people on the planet and how and how they interact with them and how they, you know, how they might want to maybe give back a little bit. That's what everybody complains about. It's like, well, they're putting all this money into space where they should be. It's like, well, they can do both. They've got billions and billions of dollars. So I'm hoping that some of these, I mean, what they should do is, I've discussed this with friends, is take a few politicians up into space from different countries in the same rocket and let them float around for a while and look at the Earth and see what happens. Next the overview effect. I guess it'd be, yeah, that's it, the overview effect. And yes. you know, see what happens. I, I, I think it might do them some good. Yeah, well, it'll be – I. the only thing I really have to say about all this is the uh, – it dawned on me kind of when they launched – they launched Michael Strahan from ABC like a couple of weeks ago, uh, and that was only like two mm-hmm. months after Bill Shatner. And it just kind of dawned on me like somewhere this fall that like – we're, I mean, we're already fucking old, and we remember a world 
before the Internet and shit. But it's like someday we'll look back on this and be like, oh, those were such quaint times when it comes to this stuff. Because eventually, if they're not there yet, but I bet you like within the next five years or something, these rocket launches are going to be fucking daily, twice, at, at least once a day, probably several rocket launches a day. It's going to become like planes, like flying, and and we're just going to be. It's going to become so normalized, um, you know. Eventually, there's going to be an accident. Some one of these things will fucking go haywire. It's just the law of averages. Um, but I think mm-hmm. we'll look back and be like, remember when like they launched Shatner into space and it was like a huge deal, and it's like now they fucking launch people four times a day. So, so yeah. it'll just be, it'll well, be like be that. We'll be living in a world where rocket yeah. launches, you know, at some point, some president will be crazy and ballsy enough to go on one of them. Then they'll be like the first president to go into space. You know, it'll be, it, yeah. it, we'll just see this. We'll, 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 we're seeing this sort of like entry back into space now that um, it's only going to get, this is only going to get bigger and, and more prevalent uh, as the years go on. You know what? Musk is sending civilians into space. They have that idea. They had a contest um, to because some like Japanese guy with a buttload of money said, I'm going to take, you know, myself and five friends with me and had to write an essay or something like that. So they actually are pushing into the civilian, uh, civilian uh, space program thing a little bit with that. They're going to send the Starship, I guess, that giant um, um, stainless steel shiny thing. They plan to send yeah. it, uh, I think, in a, in a year or two. That's the plan. Who knows? To send it um, around the backside of the moon with a bunch of civilians on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, SpaceX so is involved in the moon mission. So that's the yeah. – I forget. I think it was Bruce Rucks I was talking about this with. But, yeah, they, they have, like, 2025, I think, 2026. Um you know, earmark yeah, is like when they hope to get back Mars. to the moon. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. yeah. A- apparently, in four years they want to they they want to make to Mars in four years and to re- go around the moon for proof of concept or whatever in in a couple. That'll probably be pushed back. It always is, but still, that's that's their they're not the they're not civilian rockets They're like <laughs> get us to another right. planet and start calling yeah, yeah. He seems, um Yeah. Which, you know, people are eventually going to do. It's just that uh, I think people have a legitimate gripe about, like, why don't we take care of some problems here? But we are, we, we, our destiny, I think, is in space. It's just, it's just the way it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, one way or another. Yeah, we definitely, uh, we're definitely built to, like, explore and, and, you know, that's how they found America and shit. So it's only natural that this just keeps yeah. going and we keep looking for other places yeah. to go. Um, And, yeah, I I totally agree that, like, yeah, we should really fix this planet. And and also, like, the the whole idea of, like, just getting to Mars, setting up a place on on Mars is just so Mm -hmm. complicated that it's going to take two or three generations to, like, even realize, you know. It's – like, landing there and walking around, sure, but, like, landing there, living there, having a – a whole world up there and shit is like, you know, they don't even have the shit to go up and like build that yet. <laughs> you know, they yeah. all we well, have is a little just, making it there. Two, is. 
Yeah. Just, Maintenance well, I, there you know, is a problem now because of the problems with the with the zero gravity getting there. Your bones will be like bird's bones by the time you get there because of deterioration in in low gravity, microgravity. Yeah. Even even with like a, I don't think I can't remember where the centrifugal force uh, thing is actually stands in for gravity or not to the point where it it, it uh, 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 takes care of all those problems of zero g and degeneration of. Uh, bones, mostly bones. I think there's other problems too, but your bones just become so weak. Then you get to Mars, and the what's it a, a fifth of the gravity, or I can't remember what it is, and that'll further deteriorate uh, people's uh, physiology. They maybe they won't be able to come back. <laughs> I remember exactly um, my friend when uh, uh, when um, Mac Tony's was alive. My friend Mac, he he said people were. <laughs> The the idea was they were going to send people to Mars, and it was a one way trip because they couldn't couldn't get the fuel to send you back. They only have enough fuel to get you there. Um, and he said he was totally fine with going there and dying on Mars eventually. But I think what they're doing now is they're trying to make it so that they send like these starships instead of sending just people, they send people and like buttloads of fuel with it uh, in other rocks, yeah. so they can get back. So they'd just be landing fuel on the planet, so they could just you know fuel up and leave. So it's you got to spend all this money to send fuel into into orbit and then send that fuel. You know, it's it's, it's huge. It's a, it's a huge undertaking. Yeah, yeah. And it's like all this talk about like, oh, we're going to colonize Mars and shit. Like, I've been hearing that for like ten years. It's just very slow process, folks. Like, all we have up there right now is like two golf carts and a fucking little helicopter. Like, there's that's all we have. have been have on Mars right now at all. Well, I think all we've been able to put on Mars is like three of those, you know, I think one of them died. So now we have, we only have two. Cause a new one, a new one did land this year, but like, um, mm-hmm. and that could lead to, but these things take so much time, I guess is the point, but that like this thing, the new one they sent out perseverance, it's going to like pick up some rocks, send them back to earth at some point. And they're hoping the rocks will have the, you know, they'll be able to show from the rocks that there was ancient life on Mars. And it's like, that, it, it, it's entirely plausible. Uh, but I don't even know when the hell, like, I, I, think it, I think it scooped up the rocks. I don't know when it's going to send the rocks. And, and you know, no, who knows how long go it's going to. pick gonna... them up. Right, exactly. They send another rover over there to pick them up and bring them back. They're just in canisters there. And the other thing that's going on is the Webb Space Telescope just went up on Christmas, and that's going to go look for planets with the, you know, that has gases in the atmosphere that match the, you know, uh, ratios that we find on Earth or, you know, uh, quite, uh, proposed places that would have life. You know, that would have a certain amount of methane in the atmosphere to show that it, it was there was decaying vegetable matter or whatever. And that they're going to be able to do that with this telescope that's on its way to, like, what is it, a, a million miles away from Earth? So that it doesn't, it doesn't get affected by the, by the light, the reflected light from Earth, et cetera. But that's on the way. And that's, that's that, I think in about something like six months, it's going to be there and all the tests are going to be done and it's going to start looking with infrared, uh, in the infrared spectrum at uh, exoplanets. All of this is just to find out if life is possible in other places. It's just kind of like everybody knows it is. They just want to find evidence because there's so many planets. It's just like, like right. you said, by the law of averages, there's going to be life somewhere else, whether it's existing, you know, and it's going to be looking at light that left, you know, millions or probably billions of years ago. So that means maybe there was life then, but 
the, the idea is to, to find that. And also to find out um, more evidence for the Big Bang and how gal galaxies and all that thing stuff form because the light from that far away will be sorted towards apparently the uh, closer to the time of the Big Bang. It takes that long the light for the light to get to us or get to that telescope. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I've long theorized that like people who want disclosure, like this is your best chance for it. Like I don't necessarily think the government can come out and be like, look, if there's intelligent aliens that are hanging around, they know about us and shit. Like people will freak out. So my theory is first they'll say, okay, we found evidence for life on ancient, you know, like 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 worms and shit. So like, okay, we we know worms yeah. and shit. You know, life on can Mars, exist off four of Earth. Years ago. Right. So then people can get acclimated to that. Okay. So we know that can happen. Then. Then maybe they'll be like, okay, look, we found these monuments on another planet. The people are gone. They're dead. You don't have to worry about them. They're not going to come and attack us or anything. They lived 10,000, you know, 10 million years ago. But they lived on this planet. Here's their statues and shit. So, you know, we know that they're – and then maybe, you know, and this could all stretch out for, like, fucking three generations too. So it's like the fact that all yeah. we may get before we die, Greg and I and a lot of these listeners and shit, all we might get is worms on Mars. Like, like, and 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 if you're in your 20s, maybe you'll live like when you're 60. They'll be like, "Look, we found some statues on on Uranus. <laughs> you're gonna want to get it looked at." So, so, uh, so, so, who knows? But I, I always kind of think that that's how they're gonna do it because if they were like, "Okay, there's ancient intelligent aliens, but they're long dead," so you know that that'll take out the freak out factor and all the logistical concerns about like, all right, where are the aliens going to stay if they if they are coming here and shit? So we'll see, but definitely space is uh, continuing to be the big the big realm of interest. Um, so okay, so we got like seven. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, we got like seven minutes left. Say, you can I hang out past the hour, right? Yeah, a little bit. They, I, I think the uh, Phil Quest uh, uh, curse is still in effect. We still haven't found out what UFOs are yet. <laughs> no, we have not. We have not found out. The Phil Quest curse uh, continues to this day. Holds, um, still holds true. Yeah, and I think it will for quite yeah. a while. Um, so right before we went on the me. air. No, I'm, I've come to accept the fact that we probably won't really ever uh, know for sure what these things are. So that's a that's a reward for the mm -hmm. afterlife. Um, the so right before we went on the air, uh, we got some breaking news. I don't have my breaking news oh, yeah. sound clip here. Uh, that Harry Reid, because now we're in the obituaries part of the year in review. So Harry oh, Reid right. has uh, sadly passed away. Um, I think they said he was 82. 82. Yeah. yeah. Um, became a big player, uh, or I don't know if you'd call him a player, but, uh, you know, an important figure in UFO world in the last, like, four years uh, as the as the AA tip story came to light, and it came to light that he was one of the sponsors. Oddly enough, he and two other senators who are also now deceased, so that the three senators who, who championed uh, this project, uh, like ten or fifteen years ago, they're all now they're all dead. So, which is pretty sad, um, you know. And uh, yeah, so he was he teased a lot of information. 
in recent years, um, you know, but it was hard to really tell, like, what he knew, what, what he knew and what he might have just been told, if that makes any sense. So, uh, yeah, so that was about it, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see, uh, I don't know, we'll see if any more UFO stuff comes out from Harry Reid, but I kind of doubt it now. Yeah, no, but he, 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 probably not, but he's, he did get the ball rolling in a lot of ways. I mean, a, a lot of this, what's going on right now is due to his um, kind of being the guy advocacy. in the government to push that from, yeah, from advocacy, exactly, from early on. And uh, if nothing else, whatever you feel about him or what he did or, or the effect of what, I mean, the, uh, the way he went about it, um, it, it gave, it, it uh, kind of opened the door. Opened one yeah, he was he he was a definitely a critical uh, figure, political figure for UFOs, and 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 it, certainly in the last few years, uh, sort of like anything he said on the subject got a lot more headlines. You know, he was a good if you're in favor of like government disclosure or whatever and and everything. He was uh, he was a big time, uh, like I said, advocate for that and. Uh, and any time he gave an interview, people would always bring it up, and then he would say something, and then it would make headlines again. You know what I mean? So he was uh, an important figure in sort of the PR wing of, of what we're seeing now in the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. So, Because he wasn't really like the UFO guy, I don't think, up until like it, it came to light that he was behind the uh, A-tips, behind the, the thing. So... Yeah, behind that off-tap uh, A-tip stuff. Yeah. Whatever that then was, all of a sudden however he, far you went, that I think you went that, that however far you think that was, uh, uh, went, or how much, however much you want to believe about it, he was a prime mover behind that. And they're uh, total buds with Bigelow and and uh, our buddy George. George now. Yeah, he was part of that uh, Las Vegas UFO Rat Pack. So. Um, yeah, cabal, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so we'll, I still had an office, like you know, up to probably now in in Vegas, in, uh, in some big big oh, building sure. downtown. He was no, very he sick yeah, though. I, so I, yeah, I've uh, talked to people that have uh, that visited his office, and what you know, there's secret service people around and all that. So, but, uh, very yeah. serious about the subject, and hopefully that uh, hopefully that legacy is carried. On. It is right now. It's, we were just talking about it for the first half of the show. So. Yeah, yeah. He succeeded in getting, you know, in, in his, for his part, in getting the government to take it seriously. So, because I said, you know, when Biden was elected, I'm like, because these guys know each other for fucking, like, decades. Why doesn't he just pick up the phone and call? Maybe he did, you know, who knows. But that that he he was that powerful of a person. So when he did talk about, he was probably yeah. the most powerful advocate for UFOs. Um, right. You know, okay. that I can recall in recent years as far as politicians go. Because it's right. like, even the city, you know, it, no one. You could say I'm sure people too, but he had the reach that, uh, that, uh, that Reed did. Yeah, Harry Reid gave off like statesman vibes. Like, where yeah. he was like one of those guys, like, uh, like, like, like Bob Dole, who just died, and, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. a Newt Gingrich type who were like, I could see that guy ending up as president. I could have seen, you know what I mean? It's like, that's a guy who probably could right. have ended up as president if things shook out differently. Uh, 
Right. So, yeah. And all right, so like, we'll we'll thank like Copley and we have fun. What's that? Yeah. Unlike Tim Beckley, another one. Unlike Tim Beckley, who would have never ended up as president, another person we lost this year. Yes, we we. So good night to the live listeners. We'll probably dribble over for like another twenty-five minutes. I I, I don't want to keep Greg that long, but we still have, we still have a couple of eulogies here to uh, to do. So so yeah, yeah. you want to talk about Tim Tim Beckley first? Now you knew these first two folks a lot better than I did, so. Um, uh, I'll, I'll sort of cede the the floor to you, but Tim, yeah, Timothy Green Beckley passed away. Where is this? May twenty uh, first, I think. Uh, May thirty first, I believe. Oh, I'm looking at Lauren Coleman's Lauren Coleman's top top cryptozoology <laughs> crypt, top cryptozoology deaths of 2021. All I ask is that if I if I die anytime, I better make the top the top list folks. So, Lauren, if you're listening, or if someone can alert Lauren to my passing when it happens, so I'm ensured to be on the top the top list of deaths. But uh, on that list is Timothy Green Beckley, who was a, a... You were friendly with him? I never I never crossed paths with him, never talked to him or hung out with him or anything, so I don't know him. I didn't know him at all. But you you, you, you swam in many of the same circles, so I assume you, you have, have some stories. Yeah, a few. And born in 1947, significantly. Um, he, uh, he, when he was a teenager, he used to work for Jim Mosley, strangely enough. I mean, I consider, like, uh, Tim Beckley, and I knew Mosley and Beckley fairly well, but uh, Mosley even better. I used to talk to him quite a bit. But um, Beckley, to me, was like Mosley uh, uh, without, without any... What without any uh, 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 restrictions, <laughs> he was like a, a complete trickster to me, huckster, trickster, um, but also deeply loved the subject. No, well, maybe not even a trickster, but more like a huckster. Just kind of like he loved the subject, any the the weirdness associated with it. Uh, he swam very deeply in the weirdness associated with it, um, and uh, his. His books were like the weekly world news of ufology, which, you know, automatically gives him, like, a special place in my heart. Yeah, they were wild. I met him, yeah, I met him in all those Commander X books, just like everything. And he did, I think he did all the layouts himself, and you can tell. Um, Yeah, like I said, he started out with Mosley as, like, basically his office guy when he was a teenager, and he hung out with all those people, like, you know, Barker and Mosley and, and uh, I think James Randi at the time was not so much of a so much so much of a hardened skeptic. He's actually come on uh, Long John Neville, and he was part of that group. Um, uh, who else was in that group? Uh, uh, Alan Greenfield is still with us, and um, Gene Steinberg, obviously. Ah, uh, Scheme Gene. Yeah, he was that. He was part of that. He was like the youngster in that group. Um, yeah, I've seen pictures. Years went on. He. Yeah, as the years went on, he became more uh, prominent in his own right as a, I don't know, so much a researcher, but more like a, a publisher, gadfly type person. I met him in, the first time I met him, I was in New York City, because he's a New Yorker through and through all his life. I met him in New York City in 2000, no, sorry, it might have been 99 or 98. 
Anyway, um, his favorite food was Indian, so he took me to an Indian restaurant in this, on this street in the uh, south part of Manhattan, I believe, that's, uh, that's all Indian restaurants. And on the way there, we walked by CBGB's, and he pointed it out to me, and I was just like, ah, there it is, it's CBGB's. When it was still <laughs> running at the club. Um, but, yeah, we had a whole – he took, took me out to lunch, we, er, and we had a great time. He's a wonderful guy. And that's the – I think that's the only time I actually met up with him. Talked to him on the phone quite a bit. Um, he took – it's funny. If you could take the UFO subject seriously and not seriously in equal amounts, that's Tim Beckley. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, absolutely dead serious about it, but absolutely – would just revel in all the insanity of it. Um, partially yeah. because it sold books, but also partially because I think he liked it. He, he truly liked it. So, um, uh, that's, that, yeah, I he seemed to have a great sense of humor. So. Yeah. Oh, he was great. I, every time I talked to him, I'd be, la- you know, every time I talked to him, I'd be, I'd be laughing through the entire conversation. <laughs> and uh, he was so deadpan about it too. He was never he would never laugh with you. He would just like give you these little like these dry comments and one liners about stuff that was going on or thing you know. Oh, did you hear about what happened to so and so? And you know, oh God, Stephen Greer again. And just whatever. I mean, he was just, just so so much reveled in the craziness of it. And not many people do that. Mosley did it. Um, I don't really, you know, the only person I know who's really doing it right now, close to it, is probably Aaron Gullion. And and not in the same way as Beckley and Mosley, but just like, it's crazy, let's acknowledge it, let's enjoy it, and let's, you know, take it for what it is. So, I guess that's all I can say about Beckley. You know? um, now, the other one, uh, the other passing that... Uh, a lot of affected a lot of people uh, was Skyler. I remember I was on the phone with you actually when you found out that Skyler Alfgren had died. Um, you were really good friends with Skyler, um, and another she was a pretty. Uh, she sort of celebrated the absurdities of a lot of this too, and and was a prominent figure online. Um, I think almost everybody, yeah. uh, almost everybody who was online and in the in the scene. Uh, knew Skyler or interacted with her or talked to her online and shit. And I tried to get her on Banal America several times, but it was always like our signal always got crossed and shit. Or it was always like she always had something coming up that she, you know, wait, wait till I, I'm working on this thing. And once that's once that's done, I'll come on. We'll talk about it. And it just never happened. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that was, was on my show. I think twice, maybe three times. Yeah. Uh, I I met her when she was 16, I believe, yeah. in the early 90s. Because when she died, she was 40, what, three or two or something? She's pretty uh, young, in, yeah. Uh, she died way too Yeah, young. in uh, November, I think. Um, but, yeah, I met her in the early 90s, and she had already moved out of, you know, wherever, with her mom. She was living with her mom, I guess, when she grew up. She moved out when she was like 15 or something. So I met her when she was 16 and living in Silver Lake. And she was trying to start a 40 in group. And I went to a meeting at the at the apartment where she was living at. And that's where we first met. Um, and then, uh, you know, we kept in touch all through the 90s. And in 99, I got, uh, I got divorced from my first wife. And Skylar moved in with me. 
we were roommates for like a year. Um, and she was, uh, it was like having a tornado in the house. (laughs) Uh, A good and a bad tornado. Like, um, the the good part, the good part I remember was that she, uh, one time I wrote an article, I mean, it was just early in my writing. Well, I've been writing for like 10 years at that point, but my writing still sucked. Obviously, now it, it sucks in ways that you don't notice as much, but at that point, <laughs> it was obviously sucks. And I said, "Hey, Skylar, I mean, because I thought she, she for <laughs> nothing else, Skylar was an amazing writer, probably the best writer I, I've ever known personally." Um, but I had written something. I said, "Skylar, could you read this for me and tell me what you think?" And she said, "Ah, uh, I'm not going to be nice." I'm going to be honest. And I said, I don't want you to be nice. I want you to tell me what you think. And the first thing she told me, she looked at the at the uh, article that I'd written. I think I printed it out. And she said, this first sentence, why do I want to read the rest of this? There's no reason for me to read the rest of this article with this first sentence. Your lead's terrible. Really, why? She goes, it makes me not want to read the rest of it. I said, well, what do you suggest? She said, when you're writing, you have to imagine that the person that's reading it has much better things to do, and you have to continually convince them that they have nothing better to do, and the most interesting thing they could do right now would be to keep reading what you wrote, which is the best piece of advice I've ever heard for a writer. I mean, among other things, she told me, she went into minutiae with a lot of other things that I did in, in, in the, this feature that I wrote. I think it was for 40 in Times or something. Um, but, you know, if nothing else, out of all the other things that I got from her, she taught me to be a lot better writer because she was excellent yeah. at it. Um, the other thing that happened is she drank every every uh, booze, every bit of booze in the house. She drank it and it disappeared. <laughs> uh, and when I moved out, um, we moved. The, I had a piano there, like an old like uh, upright piano. I pulled the piano away from the wall, and there was like fifty bottles, well, maybe thirty bottles, empty bottles of booze behind it that she'd hidden back there. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and she stole my car once when she needed a ride somewhere. Instead of asking me for a ride, I woke up and I heard the car going, like, leaving the driveway. I was like, whoa, whoa, somebody's stealing my car. It turned out it was Skylar. Oh she brought God. it back a few hours later. She just needed to get somewhere. I was like, I mean, she just asked me to drive you. And I missed a job <laughs> interview because of it. So I was kind of pissed. Anyway. Um, and then I had to move out, and then so I, you know, I was going to a one-bedroom apartment, and she couldn't move in with me, so we went our separate ways at that point. Um, but we we stayed friends, and we kept in touch, and you know, I I would visit her often, and then last few years, not quite as much. Uh, if people noticed online, she would like show up for like you know a couple a couple of weeks or a couple of days, and then she'd disappear for you know days, weeks, sometimes months at a time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, one of those people that ver- burned very brightly and burned out quickly, and that's too bad. And then, um, I've actually been helping uh, her roommate uh, get her kind of her papers and things in order, and um, uh, also her her uh, uncle was taking care of her funeral, or at least the, she was cremated. So he took care of that. And he didn't have what he didn't have enough money for it, so I actually actually did a, a GoFundMe, and, and uh, uh, I, he had enough to pay for the cremation in like a day. 
it went really well. So yeah. I don't know if we're going to have a memorial. I guess at some point we're going to have one, but uh, COVID's kind of messing everything up. But um, all I can say about Skylar is she's probably one of my, at, uh, for many years, one of my closest friends and um, a totally amazing person. And when she passed away, I I wasn't totally surprised, but I was um, I was shocked and, and, and it really bothered me and depressed me for a while. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's my my, uh, and, and I'm working with a couple friends now to try and find all of the stuff she was going to put in the book, all, all her collected writings, and see if we can get that released. I hope we can do it. Um, yeah, that'd be it's, awesome. It's, it's kind of hard because her stuff is like spread out over a bunch of different computers and hard drives, and some are good, some are not, some are passwords detected, detected, and others are aren't, and it's it's kind of difficult. But we're yeah. going to try and do it. Anyway, that's all I have to uh, say about Skylar, a dear friend of mine. Yeah. And, um, I, I loved her till the end. I just, I just hadn't talked to her much recently. Just, we were about actually, we were gonna. She was saying she wanted to go to this art exhibit, the Polly the PV art exhibit with me. I told her, well, call me and uh, we'll do it. And she never did, which is kind of what I expected. But um, yeah. Anyway, I miss her. Yeah, she's definitely uh, gonna be missed. Um, the only other two very forty in mind too. Every interested in everything and how it all worked together. Oh, for sure, yeah. She was uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She she was a as you said, a bright light that burned out too quickly, but for sure a bright light. Um the only other two passings that I wanted to mention cuz they tie in sort of with an overarching trend here was uh Rob Skiba and Mac Parhar of the Flat Earth Movement. And uh, Rob Skeeb is a pretty prominent name. Like, he would be, I would describe him as, like, one of the top, like, five Flat Earth people. And Mac Parhar was a, a more of an eccentric Flat Earther who lived up in Canada, who uh, had become, uh, as so many Flat Earthers have, uh, had become a, a pandemic, a denialist, um, mm. and, and so he had gotten tangled up with the Canadian government because he went to a flat earth conference this last October, not this past one, but October, 2020, he came back to Canada. He was supposed to stay isolated for two weeks. And instead he went to like an anti-mask rally where he was like, fuck the government and said all kinds of crazy shit. Um, you know, and so the guy, especially daring, the government to do something about it. So they arrested him and charged him with, like, breaking corona quarantine. And he was set to go on trial this summer, and it kept it got delayed to the fall, and then all of a sudden he got sick and he died uh, which of what is believed to be COVID. And Rob Skiba definitely died of COVID. And, uh, you know, like I said, these the flat earthers have become super – they they don't believe in the pandemic. We had Mark Sargent on at the uh, start of the year, and he he. It, I found it kind of tasteless to be honest, because I know people that have died of COVID. But he said, you know, oh, I'm not I'm not I'm not impressed by this pandemic. Uh, not you know, no one I know has died. Uh, blah blah blah. And it's like I would never be so uh, crass as to like email him and be like, well, what do you think now? You know, these two people have died. But uh, you know, it's it's like these. These two very prominent right. people that he knew have passed away from from COVID. So it's like, folks, this is not a joke. Um, this is a serious thing. So 
get get vaccinated uh, or else, you know, I'm surprised. We, we, well, uh, we have lost people, uh, Angelia Joyner, but the, she died before the vaccine came along. But, you know, we, we, we're, right. we're losing people. We're losing people in the paranormal to this stuff, to this, uh, to this disease, you know, not on a frequent basis. Certainly in the conspiracy world, it's happening a lot because uh, they're the most prominent anti-vax type folks um, and anti-pandemic. Right. So I think you'll see more Rob Skibas and more Mark, uh, Mark Mac Parhars uh, as as we go along. And um, yeah, and I. I met Rob Skiba at the Flat Earth Convention. Super nice guy, very friendly dude, um, super religious, um, and and very very cool guy. And, and Mac Parhar was kind of lived up to his how I described him just now about going to the going to the government, you know, daring the government to arrest him. He was just really uh, really gregarious, but like super intense. He was intense. He was just super, super intense, yeah. and one of the few people at the Flat Earth Convention that I was a little bit, like, put off by, uh, where I was just kind of like, all right, got to keep this guy at arm's length because he's, he is, like, super intense. And I was like, I even remember saying to him, I'm like, are you speaking? And he's like, oh, man, I'm too, I'm too much for these people. I'm too much even for them. And it was like, okay, this is, this guy, you know. But we talked a lot and drank a lot of beers together and shit, and I... Spent a fair amount of time with him, so uh, good dude, and and it's too bad that it's too bad that he that he passed away. So, but yeah, those those were the four folks I think we either had some tangential connection to, in my case, or in your case, deep, much deeper connection to. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. sad that sad that we lost them all this year. <clears throat> um. Well, people don't want to hear us talk about politics and the insurrection, so we'll skip we'll skip out on that. So I have a feeling okay. I have a feeling that that topic will come up again uh, you know, on another year in review anyway. So it's it, it that that seems like a problem that probably more, I hope not. <laughs> I exactly, yes. I agree. I, I hope we don't have to talk about that again, but I, I wouldn't be half surprised if like <laughs> if it were if it comes up on the 2024 year in review or whatever when we're like so then the coup happened and and that was uh pretty wild um so yeah i mean the and when, in and then, you know. yeah 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 so all i'll say to this is like the people <laughs> is if you think if if this country turns into like a dictatorship like if you think getting answers to ufo shit is a problem now like you're like you, you can't fucking you can't petition the go- dictatorial government for ufo answers like they don't give a fuck about foia like we we, we live in a fat well we're living in a fascist state folks so you know uh <laughs> fuck, fuck your fuck your ufo answers that'll be that'll be a quaint times like remember when we used to be able to like demand the government give us answers to ufos and now if we and now if we tell them what we're starving, they throw us in jail. So that'll be that'll <laughs> that's our dark future. Um I got nothing on pop culture, even though I'm a pop culture maven. I didn't really think of anything to say here, uh, with regards to pop culture. So is there anything that's you you'd like to mention pop culture wise? Not really, because I don't really consume it that much. However, you know what this is um a show that I've watched recently is um Reservation Dogs. 
I heard that's it's really on, good. Um, it is really good. The cool thing is that uh, what, there's a couple of paranormal things in it. One is this deer woman that's basically kind of a, a like a Native American superhero. Um, and the other is um, there's a whole episode of hunting Bigfoot. Oh, wow. How that's, uh, uh, like their dead friend is kind of like associated with the, the you know, with the Bigfoot walking around in the woods. Um, and they look at him and think, you know, maybe this, this has something to do with our poor dead friend that, that, that killed himself. Um, being, you know, incarnated in, as, as Bigfoot or being somehow Weird. taking over that, that mantle for a while. It, it's, it's a really, I mean, it's very um, oblique in the way it does it. And when yeah. you watch it, if you know any Native, and, you know, the thing was produced and directed and acted and all this by Native Americans. If you know any Native American people, that's how they are. I mean, they, they depict them how they are on the show. And you know, yeah. to me, it's, it's very accurate. And I really, I really am enjoying the show. I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't think of anything. Check it on out. Yeah, pop culture, paranormal related. Uh, yeah, no. So, <laughs> um, I think that's it. So, predictions for next year. It's hard to really say. We used to do hot or not, but it's kind of like things kind of stay the same. Hot uh, UFOs. Um, of course, yeah. I'm going to die anytime Still. soon. Until all, yeah. the, all this, all these efforts uh, just kind of come to nothing, which I think they will, or at least as far as the public's concerned. Well, it's it would be helpful, almost like I said at the beginning of the show. Like, well, to take a page from Stan, it's like UAPs will be hot, flying saucers maybe not. Like the the, the yeah. whole. The whole UAP drama that'll be that'll continue to be hot, and, and the machinations of who's on the panel and who's in charge of the department, and all that shit that'll be hot. Actual flying saucers, uh, maybe not so much. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that would be what would get me really excited is if there was like a really good like a really good fucking case just ha- you know like the O'Hare or the or the Stevenville or whatever. Like we, I would just like to see a good case. Um, and I don't mean the Tic Tac. I mean like a contemporaneous case, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a Phoenix Lights or whatever, something cool like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that would be that really cool. But, I mean, uh, the phenomenon might say, "Screw all you guys, look at this." Yeah, anything could happen. That would be, that would be ideal. So yeah, hot UAPs, hot flying saucers, not so much. Um, you know, everybody's. This, we're living in this, like, post-9-11 type world here with this post-pandemic. So it's like everyone's mind is on this pandemic still. So I think you'll just see more division about – well, I mean, look, like, last year it was sort of like we couldn't really – we knew this was going to happen, but, like, we were like, okay, obviously we know there's going to be camps of, like, vax and anti-vax and shit, but, like – it it grew to like such epic proportions that it was that was pretty much just the tenor of the fucking year. It was like instead of like Trump mm-hmm. versus Biden, who's going to win the election? It was like 2021 was pretty much vaccines versus they don't want to get vaccine, vaccinated. That was the whole fucking undercurrent of yeah. the year almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and so and all that shit ties to conspiracy and you know. Uh, the QAnon thing's not so hot anymore, but it's like it's kind of just become absorbed well, into, it, into the. What's that? I think it's I think it's smoldering and it's going to boil over again. 
uh, a lot bigger. Kind of kind of frightens me. I agree in a sense, but I think it's kind of been a, a lot of the sort of like worst parts of it have been sort of absorbed into the into the main into the main wing of the Republican Party. So it's like it's not necessarily so much that the the, the conspiracy theorists are, are uh, driving the train anymore. It's been picked up by like you know it's. It's this whole like oh the ele- like shit. I mean, there's people who still insist that the election was stolen and shit. I've never, you know, it's over a year now. It's like <laughs> like let it mm-hmm. go, dude. So that's going to be a conspiracy theory forever. Yeah. Um, and I do. I mean, I think I agree that it's like it hasn't died down. They just don't have any direction, so they're kind of like different bad actors are taking advantage of them. Have you seen, like, there are really people who live, like, this is a story for the year in review in a sense, but it's like, the people, the JFK Jr. people, you know about this, it's a cult now, essentially. And they, like, la- they like live in Dallas now. They, they like... They live in Dallas, like, and they drink bleach and all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, there's, like, four or five dozen people who are committed to... Living in Dallas until JFK Jr. returns. And it's like, fuck, man. That's a cult. That's a fucking cult, and it scares the shit out of me. Because it's like, I hope there's someone in there, (laughs) even if it's like, I don't give a fuck about, like, necessarily, like, this. But it's like, I I would hope there's someone, like, maybe from the FBI in there who will at least be like, who will at least put a stop to any mass suicide that might happen. Because yeah. this group definitely seems like the type who uh, who could really go fucking haywire fast. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. hurt themselves or hurt someone else. And that's the other part. It's Yeah, there's too much. Yeah, it's, times are just really creepy. There's too much violence and shit now. <laughs> like, like, you just, like yeah, it just seems people are more quick to respond to violence than, than ever before. So not a good, yeah, uh, not a good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, respond, yeah, respond with violence to anything. People are, mm-hmm. I've noticed that, I mentioned it to Tenny, it's like, you're a sports fan, so you probably noticed this more than maybe uh, as I was trying to describe it to Tenny, but it's like, people post-pandemic, like, now that people are coming out and about in the world, they seem like almost like feral. Like, they don't quite, they don't, mm. like, our social skills are completely fucking derided. De- and it, you noticed it, like, yeah. in, in with basketball, with sports and shit, like, people are just, mis- like, throwing shit at players and misbehaving in a way that it's like, this is not, like, you like indoor voice, man. Like, this is not acceptable behavior. You can't, you can't like, wing a fucking hot dog at LeBron James just because you don't <laughs> like him. Like, this is not, yeah. like, you've been living in your house for too long. Like, now you're back in society, you have to fucking play by... Just a basic set of <laughs> acceptable rules, which seems to be shrinking every day. But, yeah, there yeah. aren't any. Yeah, feral people, Karen. A nation of children. Yes, yes, an unserious nation, as uh, as Tom Tom Nichols uh, likes to call it, which I agree with. We are we are a very unserious nation. And this is what happens. We get destroyed, wiped out by a pandemic and people flinging fucking hot dogs at LeBron James. So, uh, yeah. So we'll see. You know, you don't know what's going to what's gonna take off. I think if there was one thing we kind of missed 
maybe over the years was like that the true crime thing kind of came up and became a huge genre that uh when we started this like 15 years ago it wasn't a it wasn't nearly as big as it is now so that's another thing that kind of like pulled so, people so, from from the so paranormal the thing yeah um so i guess that's it well <laughs> i've taken up an extra half hour okay. of your time so uh, it sounds like you're making dinner or something. So, uh, what do you want to plug here? Now, we we were Steve Berg and I talked about the tarot last week, but people can't. Uh, do you have? A, do you guys have a tarot like website? Do you have ufotarot.com yet? I have it parked, but I haven't uh, populated with anything yet. I mean, it's, 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 right. I have the domain, but I haven't actually made it. What it was is that it was a Kickstarter. If people want it now, they're going to have to wait for like till November. Of yeah. next year when we start part two and then they can they can order it because this is not it's not something where it's a product that people can buy it is a kickstarter campaign where we wanted you know backing so that yeah. um we could print the cards and miguel could you know make a you know pay his bills and stuff like that that's what we're doing with it and um if they want to you know if they want to find out about it they can there's a uh miguel talks about it quite a bit on twitter um I, I talk about it on Twitter under Roddy Mysterioso, and uh, they can look on on Facebook at uh, at Roddy Mysterioso, um, the uh, Facebook group, and we will talk yeah. about it occasionally. And then if you if you go to the Kickstarter, um, I think you can access the updates. But about every two or three weeks, we put in updates, um, either with a new card or whatever. We're, we're gonna we just put the John Keel Hermit card up a couple of weeks ago, and the next one in another week or two, we'll have a, the next card. Nice. All right, yeah. Or so just we Google UFO, Tarot, Kickstarter. Ufology Tarot. You'll, uh... yeah. Ufology Tarot. It used to be called UFO Tarot, but there's already UFO Tarot cards, so we're doing Ufology Tarot. Jesus. Um, so, what? Oh, nothing. I put a weird link up to uh, put. I put the link up to tw- our 2019 po- uh, show. That's weird. On Facebook. Sorry, Lauren Coleman's giving me shit about it. Damn you, Lauren! Oh. Thank you for catching that mistake. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, that was weird. Um, yeah, yeah. So people just Google. And I'm, you know, ufology yeah. tarot, and you know, also I'm I'm planning to post more shows. I've still got six five or six in the pipe here. And once those are out, uh, I can worry about doing more of them. It's just that I, you know, it's, there's so many shows right now, so many podcasts that it's kind of like, well, what the hell am I going to do? So when I find some new people that I think nobody's talked to or that are interesting to me, I will, I will start up the shows again. And there's all, there's all of them. A bunch of them are sitting around. Uh, Michael Masters coming out with a new book here in a few months and I'll, I'll probably have one for that. So yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, we talked about this last year. It's hard to uh, – because I didn't do any shows like last winter, and I almost always do. Uh, and uh, it mm-hmm. was – it's like it's like running. It's like running. And the people who do it every week are like the people that run fucking every day. And it's like for you and me, we we, we ran all the time, so <laughs> we're just tired of running for a while. Yeah. And it's like if you want to get up I've been and running run like – I've been running since 1998. Yeah. I if did you want to show in 1998, yeah, go ahead. If you, you want to like get up and do, it takes a certain like 
mental energy and mental stamina and actual time and, and, and commitment to, like, run weekly and shit. So, um, you know, it's like a marathon runner. It takes time. That's why it took me a long time to get back and doing it. So, you know. And uh, who knows? I just I'll, I'll wrap this up, and then you'll never know when I come back. I'll just come back for a few shows here and there, as I always do now. So yeah. that's just the way. Right. We'll, I just we'll don't do have the, the. We'll do the stealth shows for a while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, people people have been listening to us for years. They know we're gonna produce shit. It's just who knows when. When we feel like it, it's pretty much the it's pretty much the yeah. answer. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I guess on that note, we'll uh, we'll close the book on 2021. Um, you know, an eventful year, but it just felt like the 13th month of 2020 almost. So, um, you know, it's a yeah, it just feels like we're living in a, a whole new era. Year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Colin Colin Andrews, I guess from Britain, said we're we are living in the apocalypse now, or something. Or the tribulation, or I don't know what he called it. it. was It wasn't. It wasn't a religious reference, but yeah, it's just kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Topsy. It's this dystopian world uh, that we. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing we never that was expected, the thing. even though we did. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny all those, all those previous pandemics that never panned out. Here we, <laughs> here we are. There was no swine, the swine flu and mad cow and everything else. It's like, oh well. Yeah. Who knew? Sorry, eventually it would get us. Power, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for uh, for coming back and doing this. 14 years. It's pretty crazy. Next year we'll have to have a big blowout for the 15th uh, year in review. Oh yeah. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I I will do it as long as you keep wanting to do it. I will do them. There, it's a it's a it's always a hell of a lot of fun. And and thanks to everybody for listening. Yeah, I think at this rate we have to keep doing it. It's kind of like an amazing time capsule of like, you know, yeah. so, someday someone can go back and look at like our 20, 2007 year interview and see what all the big stories were. So uh, mm-hmm. it's crazy that we've been doing it for that long. But all right, man, I will uh, I will bid you adieu. Are you going to be around later for a private call? Sure, yeah. All right. I, I, it's getting late here, but I may give you. I got to run out to the store after I finish this show, but uh, I may give you a quick yeah, ring give after. Give me a call. I'm still. I, I will. I will be cooking, finishing, uh, letting dinner uh, simmer at that point. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, brother. Good night and thanks okay. again. Thank you. All right, come on, switchboard. Hang up. Okay. <laughs> you can hang up. Switchboard's not letting me hang. There we go. All right. Oh man, uh, that was Greg Bishop with the year in review. I don't know. I feel I feel like a little laconic tonight. So, uh, you know, I, I I didn't unleash a lot of banal rage. So I don't know if that's a <laughs> that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I, I I don't know. 2021 it just didn't get me just didn't get me going. Uh, 2020 was such an epic year, and 2021 was just kind of like uh, we're still doing this. It's like a whole year of like, oh, God, we're still doing this. Um, so, you know, but a lot of interesting events, and hopefully I covered them all and we covered them all uh, as best we could and at least got you up to speed on everything big that happened in 2021. Um, definitely the uh, the UAP stuff loomed large over uh, the whole paranormal world. Uh, 
whether you like that or not. Um, I'd like a little more variety myself, but it is what it is. I really actually would prefer if everyone was talking about Bigfoot. Let's be honest. I think we all would. Wouldn't that be awesome if if <laughs> if Bigfoot was getting that 60-minute uh, segment? Anyway, um, so this is this long rambling part is me trying to waste time before I tell you that I don't know what's going on next week. So um, it's the holidays, man. Um, this is probably like the earliest we've ever done the year in review, just because uh, it seemed like the schedule worked out so well. So um, if I'm going to book a show, it's going to have to be sometime in the next two days because everyone's going to check out. Friday and Saturday and probably Sunday. So uh, I'll, I'll look in my little black book and check my uh, contacts and stuff and see uh, maybe who we haven't talked to in a while who would be good uh, good to bring back on the show or someone I haven't talked to yet that I want to uh, showcase on Banal of America. So there's two sort of lists, and I'll, I'll take a look at those and see if I can convince anyone to drop everything and come on the show next Tuesday night and Hopefully, uh, sometime in the next ten days or so, I can kind of get get uh, get the month booked out. I'd really love to do that. So right now, I can't plug anything for next week. Uh, I presume I'm going to have a show. So I would like to do the whole stretch here of winter weirdness without taking any uh, without taking a week off. But if it were to happen, it would be next week because we don't have anyone booked yet. But uh, like I said, I actually haven't even tried. So once I once I try. I'll probably succeed, and then uh, we'll have a show for you. So, <laughs> on that note, uh, this is Tim Benall thanking you all for listening, wishing you a happy new year, a safe and happy new year. Uh, and-